Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? Good. I'm a happy camper. Cardinals uh, won. I'm going to the game tonight. Going to watch them beat the Dodgers. Oh, are they going to beat the Dodgers tonight? Oh, yeah. Cardinals go on a roll here now. I wouldn't be surprised if, go. if they did on the back of one number five. Albert Pujols. He's rocking and rolling. He's doing both of those things. Inches away from another home run last night. Right. And he'll hit one tonight against the left-hander, Julio Urias, for the, the Doyers. It sounds so, like a good thing to have on $5 Dinger Tuesday, fan, FanDuel Sports, but uh, promo code SMALLS. Go with Albert. That's a good idea. So is that is that what we got? It's it's Is it Urias tonight? I believe so. Let me just double check here for those that are attending the game with me. I'll be sitting uh, down in, I won't be sitting in the in the Rocchio seats. I'll be sitting. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's Mitch White going for them against Libertor. So, so yeah, you're going as a fan, though. I'm going as a fan, yeah. So I went on Friday night as a fan, first mm-hmm. time this season delay. as a fan. Massive rain delay. That was like a Miami rain, you know. Monsoon for like an hour, mm-hmm. opened up, you're good to go. I forgot how much fun it is to go as a fan, Randy. And if everybody hasn't gotten down to the ballpark yet this this season, I got to see Adam Wainwright throw. You're going to get to see Albert Pujols tonight. There's just, mm-hmm. this is the season to go. I mean, you should always be going down to Cardinals games because it's the best thing we have going in St. Louis is sports. But this is a great season to make sure that you get to Bush Stadium mm-hmm. and show your respect for those guys. No doubt about it. And last night it happened in a 6-1 win. A 1-0 Philly lead in the fifth inning when the incredible Corey Dixer, Dickerson steps to the plate with Dylan Carlson aboard. This fastball is playing at about 97, 98. Into center and down, a base hit. Here comes Carlson. Throw by Veerling offline, and the game is tied. Corey Dickerson ties it at one. The $5 million free agent signing an absolute bargain for the Cardinals. Edmundo Sosa gave the Cardinals the lead. And the 1-2 pitch to Sosa. Hits it out to deep left field. That ball will get down. One hops off the wall. Dickerson will score. Sosa into second base. And the Cardinals lead it 2-1. to one. Go Edmundo. Then Andrew Kisner singled home Sosa. It was a 3-1 lead Cardinals after five. Then, Michelle, we move to the seventh inning. It's still a 3-1 game. And Albert Pujols delivered a little more history. First pitch. And Pujols hits it down the right field line. It's slicing. It is off the top of the wall. Albert digging for two. Third all-time in extra base hits in Major League history. A double off the wall in right. 1,378 extra base hits. He passes Stan the man third all-time in Major League history. And Stan the Man was one of Albert Pujols' all-time favorites. Oh, it's really, man, it's an honor, blessing, you know. 
me just getting to know him, you know, I came here to St. Louis and just uh, seeing every day walking through this clubhouse, you know, uh, all the time and just spend time with him. It's just uh, spirit special. You know, I thank God, obviously, for allowing me to do that in my career and especially here, you know, in a special place like St. Louis. I'm glad that he achieved this feat in St. Louis mm -hmm. and that the fans got a chance to to give him the ovation that he deserved. But we know how much connectivity there is between Stan Musial and Albert Pujols. We have Stan the man, and we used to call Albert the Mang because mm -hmm. they were one, maybe tied for first, or at least number one and number two, as far as the best Cardinals that we've ever seen. And so, of course, as he makes his way through history, all of these milestones are going to be important. But I'm sure for him, being able to tie and then pass Stan Musial, it's got to carry a little bit extra weight. And the only two with more extra base hits are Henry Aaron and Barry Bonds. And both of those two are out of rate reach, really. Albert has 1,378 extra base hits. Bonds at 1,440 and Aaron at fourteen. Finishing in third is not bad in that all-time list. 22,700 Major League players have donned a uniform, and Albert is third all-time in extra base hits. You're on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. So the Cardinals have a 5-1 lead, or a 4-1 lead, with Albert aboard, and Dickerson steps in again. Corey Dickerson. And Dickerson with a high fly ball into deep right field. Castellanos back at the wall. Gone! Two-run blast, Dickerson. He's driven in three tonight. Michelle, with apologies to Dan Patrick, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. <laughs> Corey Dickerson? Yeah. Hey, great night from Corey Dickerson last great. night. Great post-game interview talking about how he he shifted his mentality and um, Ali Marmol talking after the game about how he's swinging with purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a great game for him. You can only hope to contain him. Lars Newbar also homer for the Cardinals. There's another guy you need to get going. That's right. Yeah. And well, there's a lot of guys that yeah. the Cardinals needed to get going. And 6-1 was the final. And finally, Ali Marmol, your offense gave Miles Michaelis some support. It's nice um, to be able to do that for him. He's thrown up some, some really good games uh, where we haven't given him the support in order to get a win. Um, he's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with a lot of good guys in the league. I know John's brought that up several times. And um, to be able to put some runs behind him and get him the win, yeah, it feels good. Cardinals have wasted some really good starting pitching performances. Most recently, obviously, Wayno and Hudson and Dakota Hudson last time through the rotation. But Michaelis has probably been victimized the most this season by a lack of run support. He's been a revelation, and it's great to see him get the win because you're right. He's had some outings where he's been sensational, and the offense hasn't backed him up. But is he your most pleasant surprise of the season? Yeah, because after the injury and missing basically a full year and I he never had Tommy John surgery he did, he did have a forearm procedure done but I figure once you have forearm tightness you're going in for Tommy John and he never had it and he's been great and he's been durable he's been awesome eating up innings he's been so effective and where would this Cardinals team be without Miles Michaelis no doubt Dylan Carlson goes three for four multiple highlight real plays in center field and his second three-hit game in a five-game stretch he only had one three-hit game the previous 65 of the season and the real key here michelle is miles michaelis burning the sage since i, I didn't burn any today so it's residually around that's a pretty important thing though. yeah well i got cleared out i've got i've got two more uh, bundles here but i gotta order some uh you know from whole foods 
or, or from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know it's, it's a pungent smell. It kind of sticks around, stings the nostrils. So it's good. A little Anchorman reference. <laughs> pungent. It stings the nostrils. But you know what? I think if Whole Foods is listening, or if there mm-hmm. are any other businesses in St. Louis that you can procure sage from, they might want to send it down to Bush Stadium mm-hmm. because it does seem like the sage was effective. And so the Cardinals beat the Phillies, they split the series, and they'll take on the Dodgers tonight at the ballpark. Meanwhile, Michelle Hockey, NHL free agency, starts tomorrow. And Frank Saravelli, NHL insider, tweeting, hearing David Perron plans to go to market on Wednesday. Lines of communication remain open with the Blues, and talks have been cordial. But I'm told STL doesn't have the cap space to make a proper offer at this time. Jeremy Rutherford lays everything out this morning at The Athletic. If you choose to read his piece, it's fantastic. But I would say that there is real major concern about the Blues not being able to keep David Perron around because of the salary cap. I am floored by this, not because of the salary cap issues, because you knew that that was something that was going to exist, but the fact that the this isn't more of a priority for Army and the Blues to clear out some space in order to retain David Perron. He's a very important piece of the puzzle. And that's why the Blues didn't keep Alex Petrangelo, why the Blues didn't keep uh, David Backus in the past, because they felt like they had set a... Pro- and this is if David Braun doesn't come back. There's still a chance that he could come back. But the Blues are pretty good at setting a price and a term on a player. And so far, they haven't really been burned by it. Now, it could happen now. David could find the fountain of youth, which he apparently has. But uh, the, I would be surprised if the Blues would make an emotional move off of a number. Yes, I don't think it's, it should necessarily even be considered an emotional move because he's one of your biggest producers. He's one of the big, the most important leaders on the team. And I know we're going to get into this next mm-hmm. segment, Randy, but he is a, a culture guy, and that's hard to put a price on. And when you move out so many guys like that, it's, I, I don't know. I usually ride with Army on everything. This one's tough for me. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on Character and Smallman. Coming up, what are some of the ramifications of David Perron going to market? We'll touch on that, and especially the bigger picture than just 2022-2023. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Blues have tried to create some salary cap space. I reported, you know, just before we did the pod that David Perron is likely heading to market. And the reason for that is they can't actually make him a bona fide offer right now because they don't have cap space. That is NHL insider Frank Saravalli. And with NHL free agency starting tomorrow, Michelle I think we both thought, and I think most Blues fans thought, and the Blues probably thought by the time free agency started that David Perron would be under contract with an extension. But the Blues have $9 million in cap space. They are going to be docked a million dollars because of bonuses that were afforded Tyler Bozak this year. And they have other fish to fry. They need a backup goalie. They've got to sign Nico Mikola to a contract. They uh, have various... Well, they 
qualified six restricted free agents yesterday. So they'll have those guys to sign. And those guys aren't right now because they aren't under contract. They aren't affecting the cap either. So I, I get why the Blues have delayed in signing David Perron. And I'm not sure, unless they tra- trade Vladimir Tarasenko, that they're going to be able to move him. But isn't that kind or of keep him, I mean. where we thought that this was all headed, yeah. is that Vladdy had uh, perhaps not changed his stance on wanting to move, and Doug Armstrong, after a very productive and healthy season from Vladimir Tarasenko, was going to be able to do that, and that would open up space for David Prahn, because... We talked to many people throughout this offseason so far, Randy, that said bringing David Prawn back is priority number one for mm-hmm. the St. Louis Blues. So to And I know that so far there hasn't been any movement on the money-moving front, and uh, that puts the Blues in a tough position. But I just can't understand how not having David Prawn on your team makes you better. No. it, it This coming year, him being away from the Blues would obviously take away. And it depends on who you replace him with. And the Blues are a a team that looks ahead two, three years. Next year, they have both Cairo and Thomas, 20 goals, 75 point guys, entering free agency. If you have Perron at the age of 35, 36, signed to a multi-year contract that limits your ability to keep those guys. The, the big X factor here is Tarasenko. And I think I said during the year, you can't keep both Tarasenko and Perron. Mm-hmm. And you probably, if, if you want to throw Matthew Kachuk, you can't have two of the three. You probably can't have two from among Perron, Tarasenko, and Kachuk. You can have one of those guys, and that's the choice you're going to have to make. I don't think they're going to be in the the Kachuk sweepstakes this year. I think if he winds up a blue, it's going to be at the beginning of 23-24. Well, when he winds up being a blue at the nice. beginning of 23-24. Nice. Good correction. Thank you. But the the issue here is if it's not going to be Tarasenko, maybe a trade Tory Krug, maybe there's a taker for Krug out there and you can do everything you need to do with signing David Braun. But the point now is unless you make a deal to relieve some of that cap space tightness that you have, Piranha's gone. Part of the beauty of this Blues team has been that they have this amazing combination of veteran presence, especially guys who have won the Cup, and an infusion of young talent with Army bringing in guys from the outside to supplement some of the guys who have left. It's it's a great blend, right? And that's part of the thing that we appreciate about Army is that he's able to maintain that veteran core while constantly bringing in young, new blood. But when you look at the remainder, the, what parts are left of the carcass of the 2019 team, you've got Ryan O'Reilly, you've got Braden Shen. I'm, ta- I'm mm-hmm. going to remove Jordan Bennington from yeah. the equation. And you've really got David Prunt. Those are really your three, I would say, top veteran guys, because I'm assuming Tyler Bozak is not coming back. And Tarasenko. And Tarasenko is a question mark. Yeah. And I'll throw Colton Pareko in there as well. Um I, w- I would just say, though, when it comes to who are the leaders on this team, who's going to stand up and who is going to say something and who is going to get the rally the troops, I would say it's Shen, I would say it's O'Reilly, and I would say it's David Perron. And not only was he so incredibly productive for you throughout the regular season, look back to that Colorado Avalanche series. Mm-hmm. Who are the two guys who, who you, other than Jordan Bennington before he got injured, that you said, those two guys played their guts out. And without those two guys, where would the Blues have been? It's Ryan O'Reilly and it's David Prawn. And you also have to take into account how 
good Ryan O'Reilly is with David Perron. The connectivity between those two guys is a very important, a, a very important wrinkle into all of this as well. So not only are you losing production, not only are you losing a guy who you know is going to show up for you in the playoffs and who is a proven commodity and knows how to win, you're losing a big time leader. And when I think about times this past season when you talked about what's the identity of this team, mm-hmm. what's the culture of this Blues team, who was right there trying to carve it out? It's David Perron, and you're just you're losing a lot if 57 is gone. And there are fans out there, and I've spoken to a lot, that say, well, he's just one concussion away from his career ending. And granted, he did have concussion issues a long time ago, but everybody is a concussion away from their career ending. And if you look at David Perron, his last half dozen or so seasons, 2015-16, he played 71 games. Then in uh, 16-17, back here in St. Louis, he played 82. His year in Vegas, he played 70. The year after that, his uh, first year back here in St. Louis, he played 57. Uh, And that was, uh, and then in the Stanley Cup year, he played, or no, 57 in the uh, Stanley Cup year, 71 the year after that. That was every single game in the COVID year. And then 56 out of 60 in the other COVID year. And then 67 this year. So he's been relatively durable. But I'm sure the Blues have an algorithm that tells them when a guy is going to start falling off. And even the Blues admit that he's unusual, but he's going to play his year 34 season next year. And the old adage, it gets old hearing it, is father time is undefeated. At some point, he is going to fall off. And that's what the Blues have to determine. Is it going to be worth it to have David Perron in his 34, 35, 36 seasons at the expense of having Kairou and or Thomas at their 23, 24, 25 seasons? It's a tough pill to swallow, but I, I just... I think specifically for this upcoming year, especially because we talked about in in terms of contract that you're looking at maybe a two-year deal. But I'm specifically looking at next season. Who else is going... Who do you think on this team is really ready to ascend into that next role, that leadership role, if David Perron is gone? Is it Robert Thomas? Joey Vitale thinks Robert Thomas is going to be the captain of the team someday. Someday, but is is it this year? And maybe this provides him the opportunity to grow a little bit more. Maybe it forces him into being more of a a vocal leader and really assuming that position if David Perron isn't there. But I, I... I don't know, Randy. I ride with Army on everything. And Army we trust. He is always right. He's playing chess, not checkers. But I I can't see how this is beneficial. The other part of this is generally, not all the time, but generally teams are reluctant to sign players of this age. I would think that the success of Corey Perry the last three years he's played in the finals, especially of Joe Pavelski with Dallas, my guess is that there is a three-year $18 million contract waiting out there for David Braun, if not more, because of the success of those older players recently. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you want to bring him yeah. in if, if you're another team? You look at the numbers he put up this season, what he was able to do in the playoffs, the fact that he is a leader, the fact that he is a champion. This is the type of addition that you make if you're a team that you feel like is on the cusp and could really use a, a weapon. He, he is. He's an offensive weapon. Yeah. And I I hadn't made the Pavelski comparison until just now. And Pavelski just played, uh, he just turned 38 yesterday. So he played, uh, happy belated Joe Pavelski. So he played his 37, age 37 season this year with the Stars, played in 82 games, played in every single game, 27 goals, 54 assists, 81 points. Kind of David Perron production. So 
I, I could eat, and they gave him a big contract when he left San Jose. So I could definitely see David Perron getting the sort of deal that Pavelski got with the Stars. Ultimately, what this comes down to is an old adage that applies in life and sports. And I'm sure that Doug Armstrong, not in a press conference, but behind closed doors, will use this one. The cemeteries are full of indispensable people. (laughs) Yes, true. And the the fact of the matter is, we love David Perron. He's got one Stanley Cup ring. So... You just because you have David Perron doesn't mean you get to hold the chalice. Now, you'd like to have him on your team, but if you just strip the emotion away from it, that we love the guy, he's a great blue, he's only signed contracts with St. Louis, he's one of the best guests on this show, which is a big part for us, right? Yeah, of he's, course. He's, he's a great guy. But if you strip all of that away, the question becomes, if you're Doug Armstrong, can I win a Stanley Cup without David Perron on my roster? And I would argue that the Colorado Avalanche just proved that you can. Yes, but when I look at the this past playoffs, would you have made it to where you were without David Perron? No, but did you make it to where you wanted to go with David Perron? No, but that's because of Jordan Biddington. <laughs> exactly. I just, exactly. It's tough. It's tough. And we look at it. It's not because of David. a fault of David no, Perron. No, not at all. We're looking at this, and I think every fan should look at this in a much hotter environment than Doug Armstrong. Doug, Doug Armstrong is very cool, very calculated, and he's looking at this over the long term. We're looking at this as how does this affect us now? And it's completely different. We we couldn't have more different approaches to contract negotiations than what we have and what Doug Armstrong really does. No, he can compartmentalize his emotions, yeah. which is what makes him so effective at what he does. But sometimes a player elicits those emotions because they're worth it. Yep. When we look at Adam Wainwright, we aren't just looking at his curveball and the fact that he's a World Series champion. He means the you cannot quantify with a number what Adam Wainwright means to the Cardinals and what he brings mm-hmm. to that team. Sure, he's got a contract, but the things that he tells us that when a pitcher blows a save or somebody has a bad night, how he goes up to them and gives them a hug and says, I love you. You're a great player. Don't you worry about it. We're going to turn the page the next day. How do you put a number on something like that? You can't. And David Perron is that guy. David Perron, tell, talk, and maybe it's because we have an insight into him because we talk to him on the show every week and because we understand how he leads in certain ways. But he talks to us about how he's the guy to, when he knows a player is really tense, cut it up with him. Make sure to give him a joke and how he's the guy to stand up in the room and say this is not acceptable and we need to represent the note on our sweater you can't quantify those things and and i just i see the way that he makes ryan o'reilly a better player Mm -hmm. and if ryan o'reilly doesn't have david perron there and maybe he takes a step back from a production standpoint i just i just think there's so many waves to there's a ripple effect to a player like David Perron Randy and I just worry about the culture of the team and the production of the team when somebody like 57 is not there just like I would with Adam Wainwright one other thing that I want to ask and that's this take yourself back to Michelle of two years ago July of 2020 do you feel worse if Perron signs elsewhere, if he signs with the Dallas Stars, do you feel worse about Perron leaving than you felt about Petrangelo leaving? Yes. Because at the age of 30, being the captain of a Stanley Cup champion team? Yes, because at that 
moment, I thought Colton. We've got Colton Pareko. Colton Pareko is David Perron, or is is Alex Petrangelo, and I don't know who on this team right now that I say that's the next David Perron. No, you got to. Well, the next David Perron and better is future Blue Matthew Kachuk. All roads better lead to Kachuk, or we riot. <laughs> this one's Michelle really did, tough for me. Michelle did send a text to group text last night saying that uh, we riot. That is, it's become a common th- running theme here, has it not, Matthew? I, I think the emoji that was sent in, in it was in, a knife. In, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say because there's it, no torch emoji. It needs to be. It needs to be said that there was a knife emoji in the. In the well, tweet, I'm just saying that those, that's an army terms. Take the knife, jam it into the eye, and into the brain, and kill him. And he's certainly trying to kill me emotionally with this David Brown news. Michelle's gonna I'll tell cut you what. somebody if. David Perron doesn't sign him on Wednesday morning I, or afternoon. I just assumed that it was a guaranteed because Army mm-hmm. suggested as much. David Perron, very vocal about his desire to return to the Blues. You're a better team with 57. I just assume, I assumed I didn't have to worry about it, Randy. And then this note from Frank Saravelli last night, we riot. <laughs> you need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. You're supposed to do that to the opposition, Army, not to me. <laughs> So free agency starts tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, hopefully the news will be good coming from your St. Louis Blues. I don't think it's going to be. I'm bracing my six five seven eight zero. How are you guys feeling about this? Because this this yes is emotional for us because we love David Perron, but I also am looking at my most recent sample size of this team, and that is the series versus the Colorado Avalanche, and he was arguably your best player. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll take your texts and your. Rhino Shield mic drops coming up at 8 o'clock. But coming up next, Albert Pujols with another record for the Cardinals. We're going to talk to our friend Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine about that and more next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Stan McNeil from the Cardinal Magazine joins us on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Good, and you guys have spent a lot of this season and will spend the rest of this season celebrating the final seasons of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. And Michelle and I were just talking during the break about how much fun it is to watch the joy that Albert is experiencing, like last night after Newt Bar hits the home run. He is having a lot of fun, and I think that makes us as fans and observers have fun. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh... Albert had a great time. He's been doing it's just, uh, and you talk to the young players and they all will tell you just what it means. You know, I mean, they're in awe in one way on one hand, but on the other, Albert's just another one of the guys, you know, with all this knowledge that he's uh, sharing with them. So it's got to be a really cool situation to be a rookie in that clubhouse this year. Absolutely, Stan. Well, one of the big storylines coming out of the Cardinals right now is not only Miles Michaelis and his production, but the Sage. The Sage seems to have, at least for two games, turned the tide for the Cardinals. And I know that he's written in the Cardinals magazine that this isn't the first time he's used Sage. So can you pull the curtain back for us on the origin of Miles Michaelis and the Sage? Well, I'm not sure of the origin, how long he's been doing it, but I do know that uh, last year when uh, Miles, remember, was injured last, uh, this time last year, was working his way back, and uh, he had about four or five minor league rehab starts where he would start in St. Louis and then go out to Memphis or Springfield or Peoria, and when he would go, he would kind of get there the day of the game, and 
he knew that, you know, the guys know who Miles Michaelis is, obviously, but he didn't know him that well. So, you know, Miles being a fun-loving guy, every time he would go into the clubhouse before he would start, he would bring out the incense and the sage and, you know, just kind of, he said it was partly to mess with the guys and partly just to kind of cover his bases, you know, just, just in case there is something to it. Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine with us on 101 ESPN. And Stan, you have in the latest issue an in-depth interview with our friend Adam Wainwright. We'll hear from him tomorrow here on Carriker and Smallman. But then a lot of people talking about Adam Wainwright. A lot of people have great opinions of and great stories about Adam Wainwright. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, our yearbook actually is coming out, and it's focused on uh, Adam's career so we have been talking to uh dozens of folks about adam and uh one thing we've learned is that as beloved as adam is in st louis he he's that beloved around baseball you know and and everywhere i mean he what you see is what you get with that guy and uh one story we were working on uh, we talked to uh his longtime agent and his also his financial planner two guys who are really close to adam that he's known forever and his agent, we were trying to nail down exactly when they they hooked up because, as you know, Trey, Adam's brother, negotiated a signing bonus after he was drafted. So there, Adam, uh, one year, one offseason, wanted to kind of change his uh, training program and also be in Orlando near where the Braves were training, were based at the time. So that's where his agent, Steve Hammond, is based. So Adam... Uh, Went down there. Steve hooked him up with a trainer. And for these six weeks or so, Adam lived with the Hammonds family. You know, they've, they've got four boys who are younger than Adam. But, of course, Adam hits it off, hits it off with them and everything. So we want to know if what offseason that was. Was that offseason of 2002 or 2003? Because 2003, you might remember, was the year he got traded, the year he proposed to Jenny. And he also got cut from the Olympic qualifying or got sent home from the Olympic qualifying trials that, that off season. So we, just to be sure it was Oh three, we kind of reached out to Steve, his agent and Steve was like, pretty sure, but you know how memories <laughs> are. There's no record of this. So uh, I texted Adam and said, you know, we just want to be sure. Cause all this stuff happened. And uh, he texted back and said, well, I, I believe it was 2003. I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. And I texted back. Thank you. And then a minute or so later, I get another text and it, and he goes, it was 2003. I was like, okay, great. We're good there. And then just kind of out of, from my own curiosity, I was like, I wonder why he remembered for sure. And my thought was maybe it was because that was the year he proposed to Jenny. So he's going to remember stuff like that. <clears throat> so I texted him back and asked him, you know, why he remembered kind of thing. And uh, he texted back and said, actually, I remember because that was the year the movie Elf came out. And he remembers going to see it with Steve's four sons. So like, <laughs> I thought that was just, that just sums up Adam right there, you know. That's an unbelievable story, Stan. And I'm sure as you were crowdsourcing people to talk about Adam Wainwright, you probably couldn't get him to shut up. Because I imagine once people are, are invited to speak about Adam and tell stories about him, they just want to share how great of a person and a player he is. Oh, absolutely, and there, there's a ton. We, we've got a lot of ton, a lot of stories covered, a lot of angles covered. We even have a story on uh, Adam's punctuality in this is, in, in the yearbook. So uh, be sure to get that. We don't want to spill all the beans now, but there's a, there's a ton of great stories in it. I also know, Stan, that you have a, a piece coming up about what happened the last time Tommy Fam Tommy Fam, former Cardinal, was in town. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Oh, this is this is a fun story. This is not really in the magazine, but this is just kind of a little behind the scenes thing that hap- that happens at the stadium. Outside the visitors clubhouse is uh, they have a I guess a an attendant kind of security is stationed there to make sure everybody who goes into the visitors clubhouse is credentialed or, or should should be going in there. So uh, Jay Jay works the visitors clubhouse. He's been doing it for for years. And as you do this, you know, you the same guys come in three or four times in a row when they're in a series and then year after year. So Jay's able to kind of develop relationships with it, some of the players and managers that over, the, over the years. And so when uh, Tommy came in, one thing Jay does for all former Cardinals who kind of grew up in the organization, when they come here, when they walk in for the first time, Jay will say, welcome home, you know. So when Tommy came in with the Reds for the first time this season, Jay, you know, welcome home, Tommy. And Tommy said, thanks, you know. And Tommy's a personable guy. So uh, the last day of the series, Sunday morning, Tommy strolls in and looks at Jay, says hi, and Tommy goes, you know, Jay, I'm feeling pretty good today. I think I'm going to hit a home run. And it's going to be for you, you know. So Jay goes, wow, that's, that's great, Tommy. So this is, you know, this is probably 10, 30, 11. So the game's going three or four hours. Jay's outside in his station. He's watching the game with a couple of other people. And he relays that story. It's seventh or eighth inning. And uh, they say, well, he better hurry up and hit one. And sure enough, next pitch, Tommy hits a home run, you know. And... So uh, they're sitting there kind of like Jay's like, can't believe this. And then about within a minute, the doors to the clubhouse, you know, someone rushes out of the clubhouse. It's Tommy Sam. He goes, Jay, I told you I was going to hit one for you today. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just like it sounded like he, he got the home plate and busted through the clubhouse to, to tell Jay. So uh, we love Tommy. And that's uh, that's one reason why. That's absolutely great. Stan, always great to have you with us, and we recommend everybody pick up not only the Cardinal Magazine, but the Cardinal Yearbook, which annually is absolutely incredible. The, the photos, the quality, and of course, uh, the, the this year, more than any other, because of the Adam Wainwright and Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina parts of it, it, it will be great. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. That is Stan McNeil, and you can go to cardinals.com slash magazine if you'd like to subscribe. Can't wait to get that yearbook. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy Matthews here, and we've got Take It or Leave It coming up next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780 on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy. And you can get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, yesterday the Cardinals activated left-hander TJ McFarland from the COVID IL. And as Derek Gould writes at stltoday.com, to clear a spot on the 40-man roster, they did so by placing Jack Flaherty on the 60-day IL. That means the earliest that Flaherty can return to the active roster is August 27th. 
Take it or leave it, rather than making 24 starts for the Cardinals, we won't see Jack Flaherty throw another pitch for the 2022 Cardinals. This was going to be my exact take it or leave it, Randy, and I'm taking it. I don't think we see him the rest of the season. Yeah, August 27th would be the earliest, and with the fact that he hasn't even started a program yet and would have to go through a complete spring training, and the Cardinals aren't going to allow him to pitch again until he is... He shows them that he's capable of building up to 70, 75, 80, 85 pitches with velocity. I don't think we'll see it. So then, on the, I'll piggyback off that. Randy's prediction for Jack Flaherty this season, 24 starts, 16-4, and 2.73 ERA. Take it or leave it. By the end of the week, Randy needs to spin the wheel. Yeah, I'll take that. Can I give you one more? Yeah, of course. Take it or leave it. Jack Flaherty makes 24 starts in the rest of his major league career. I'll take that. I'm going to leave it. You think he's done done? Yep. You think he's done done? People just don't come back from labrum injuries. They just well, don't. But we thought Michael Walker was done done. But he had a stress reaction. It was a new injury. It was different. This injury has a history. And guys just have not come back from a, a torn labrum. I, I don't want him to be done. But I'm just looking at history. And I don't think it looks great. I don't think it looks great either, and what a shame, and I hope that we're wrong. Can I give you one other one? Absolutely. Um, Albert Pujols, it was announced yesterday, Katie Wu doing great work reporting at The Athletic, that Albert Pujols is going to participate in the 2022 Home Run Derby. Take it or leave it, he wins it. I'm going to leave that. Your guy's going to win it again. Pete Alonso? Yeah. And if he doesn't, you know what's going to happen. He can hurt some people. I was going to say, is he our guy? Is he my guy now? I think he is. Yeah, you picked him last year. He he caused me to spin the wheel. I did pick him last year, but some things have happened since then. Some some fights have happened. Oh, so now you've kind of turned on him, huh? Just saying. (laughs) You don't come from my city, my people. Okay. And then say you're a super tough guy and can put people in the hospital. I don't know if we're going to ride with that this year. He sure didn't put Stubby in the hospital, now, no, did he? No, he did not. <laughs> All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? 65780. Take it or leave it. Oh, it all just got bumped. Take it or leave it. The Blues signed Perron right after trading Tarasenko. Take it. Take it. All righty. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Eating black licorice should be added to the wheel. Oh. No, ugh. take it. It is a Michelle, punishment wheel. Michelle literally just went like straight up like, I do not even want the 10, the 10% chance Ugh. that that I'll have to take that one. What has happened you to cringed. people that eat black licorice? Chris Kerber loves it. What has happened to Chris Kerber? I don't know. We need Personal to do a, trauma? Deep, a deep dive on it. Now, I always there's a, a meme out there that says that we need to study the minds of adults who love Disney the same way we do serial killers because they're equally as bizarre. <laughs> Um, and I think we need to throw black licorice lovers whoa, whoa, into whoa, whoa, whoa. that. I would agree with that. That circle. Yeah. Like, are we talking trips to Disney? Yeah, like, people um, go to Disney, like, land and world, like, all the time? No, people that, yeah. They, watch Disney movies no, all no, the no, time. No, no, no. They, they, it's, they're adults yeah. without children that love Disney and that they go to Disney yearly and have, like. So, Brandon and Kara Kylie is what you're telling me. Maybe. Uh, Kylie, I don't yeah. I don't know. Do they do that? Wait, are they, are they, are they, are they Disney are they lovers? Disneyland people? Adult Disney? Huge, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you should get BK on the line. Call him up. We should. He's a he's a Disney guy all the way. My friend was telling. We talked about this at a wedding I was at check, over check the weekend. Check in, BK. He's I know gonna, you're listening. BK, yeah, if you're listening, say, he's going to text me. He usually does. BK, if you're listening, we love you. Tell us why you love Disney as an adult yeah. without children. Yeah. What is it about Disney that makes you want to spend your hard-earned money riding rides and eating overpriced chicken fingers around characters? I'll say this though: 
The chicken fingers that Disney does provide are delicious. They are when, not. Yes, they're, they are. They're worse than a cafeteria no, at Disney. school. Disney, I've had them recently. And Disney does it right. Here's the respect I no, have for they Disney. Don't. They have love you, Disney. The last no. time I was in Florida, whichever one that is, I never remember. Uh, World. Disney World. Um, they had carts that were bottled soda, generic hot dogs, and then McDonald's French fries. And if that mm. is not the most genius plan I've ever seen for food on the go, don't we don't need any other McDonald's marketing. We want the thing people want: generic hot dogs and then McDonald's fries. America. I ran a half marathon at Disney mm-hmm. because when I worked for the network, it's owned by Disney. You get free passes to Disney every season. I'm not an adult that loves Disney, so it was the only way I was going to use it. So my girlfriend Elizabeth and I went down there. We we're like, oh, let's let's go down to the park just for a day. Just like check it out and see what it's like instead of having margaritas at the pool today. So we get on the tram, Randy, yeah, and it's all mistake. these little kids, and they're so excited. They're like, yeah, Disney, yay. And we're like, oh, my God, adorable. This is great. By the t- First of all, we walked around for like 30 minutes, and I was like, I'm good here. After I had $30 terrible chicken fingers, on the, on the way out, Randy, on the exit, it was my worst nightmare. Kids had flung themselves onto the ground. They're screaming, I want the ice cream. Parents are crying and you can just see dollar bills flying out of their pockets so that, that they can shut the kids up. It was just, it could not have been more night and day. And I just thought, if you're a parent, you want to bring your kids here because you're a good parent and they love yeah, Disney and yeah. they want to experience those magical moments. As an adult with no skin in the game, with no kids that I need to please and create magical memories for, that is not a good time for me. Give me a cocktail on the beach. I'm trying oh, to get yeah, away yeah, from right. crying kids on oh, vacation. Disney's all about kids, right? There's We took our kids to Disneyland and I think they enjoyed it. I, and I liked riding Space Mountain. That was cool. Have you seen the development on the text line? No. B- BK is on vacation right now. Oh. And I'm pretty sure he's it, on Disney his way World. to no, Disney. No, stop. Yeah. You're kidding Yesterday me. was his last day before he went on vacation. Okay. I think he's literally yeah, traveling are. to Disney oh yeah. today. BK, we gotta, we've got to <laughs> talk about this. Yeah. I'm just curious what it is about Disney that would make an adult want to go there on vacation. No judgment. Just curious. A thing for mouses? <laughs> Huge... People like normal sized people wearing my mouse. Space outfits. Mountain is fun, and I got, I had the privilege of getting to ride <laughs> on Space Mountain. Mouses. I got to ride on Space Mountain when they turned on all the lights because my sister worked oh, yeah? at the park. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you this right now Space Mountain's fun, but it's hard to put your arms up on that ride after you see it with all the lights on. Oh, yeah. It is, it is a tight little cone hmm. that they got you spinning in for that whole thing. And if you put your arms up, you're safe. They cleared it, but I don't feel as comfortable doing it ever again. <laughs> God, that, that we got into a we got into a whole. It was a deep dive, but I just uh, don't. I can't personally understand it, and I would like for someone to enlighten me. You wait hard on that. That was no, it's not hard. You painted, just you painted honest. the I, I most experienced it. hellish well, scape I've ever heard my entire life. Michelle, you're 100 percent right. If you don't have kids. And you're in Florida, you go to the beach, or you go to a cardinal game during spring training. You don't, if you're an adult without kids, you don't go, If you're even if you're in Orlando, you don't go to Disney World. You, If you're a guy, you go out and play some of their fine golf courses. If, if you're a woman, you go out and play some of their fine golf courses. There's other things to do in Orlando that are a lot less expensive and probably a lot more enjoyable than Disney World. Also, I'm not going to Orlando on vacation. 
if if you're giving the me the hottest place on earth, I'm not going there. I'm I'm just saying I, it's not. I just want to know what is appealing about that for an adult. And again, parents, this is not about you. You're great. Thank you to my parents for taking me to Disney as a kid. It was awesome. My cousins and I went with our, with our families. We went one time. And now after having experienced it as an adult, I understand why we only went one time. Because if I have, am ever a parent, my kids get one Disney bullet. One shot. You better be old enough to remember it. Because if we go once, we're never going again, kids. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> go meet Elsa. I'll take your picture. Savor it. Because we're never coming back. I, I got I to send a couple texts. Because my sister literally worked at the Florida and California parks for 12 years. 14 years, something like that. I got to see what her opinion on Disney adults. Okay, uh, people are texting in saying the food at Disney's great. It's not. I went as an adult. I went to Epcot, had the Italian food. I went and had a chicken fingers when I went to the park. It's a C plus at best. We're not talking fine dining here, people. Oh, no. I, I don't think anybody was suggesting it was fine dining. No, but people are texting in on this. It's like fine dining? They're saying you'll love the food. Some of the best food and, and drink options in the country. No, it's not. I've been there. Much love to Disney. You must have been having a bad day because I thought the quality was pretty good when we went there, too. <laughs> Much love to Disney. I'm just saying. You're not... I don't think when we're ranking the top restaurants in the world, someone's like, let's shoot on down to Orlando no. and go to the to Italy and Epcot. You are correct about that. Just saying. Uh, from the 636, I'm not a beach person nor a golf person. My retort, who hurt you? <laughs> I can understand not being a golf person. I cannot understand not being a beach person. Well, I hate sand. You hate sand. It's annoying. I don't like. I, I hate. I hate that it get. I hate that it gets in like all between your toes. I. I sand's a no. No, I don't care what anybody says. The beach is fun. I get to that point, but you cannot tell me that sand is an enjoyable experience. Sand sucks. No, sand is cool. Sand is great. No, I sand sucks. This well, text line right now. I don't know if we've ever gotten more response on anything than we have right now. Oh, Rocky on Road Disney. was pretty controversial. That was that one. Rocky Road and Vanilla got the text line humming. This is this is this is the next closest thing I've ever seen. People are passionate right now. People are saying, "What's wrong with Disney?" There's nothing wrong with Disney. What we're saying that we are curious about is adults that go to Disney without children. Mm-hmm. Michelle, you don't sound necessarily so, so curious. You sound like you have a pretty definitive idea and, and, and just, answer in the question. No, listen. <laughs> One listen. Disney bullet. <laughs> One Disney bullet, kids. I mean, seriously, I'm going to tell them that I'm going to put them to bed at night and be like, hey, don't forget, love you. Make sure you choose wisely because we're never going back. The lines are miserable. You got you to gotta get those break Fast into pass. lines. Yeah. And that's so, and that's the other thing. It is so expensive. Yeah, it is. It's not as if you're going as an adult and it's like, oh, this is kind of a fun, cheap way for us to revisit our childhood and have fun. You are breaking the bank to go to Disney. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're doing it for your children, of course you want to do that. As an adult, I'm like, man, I got a mortgage. I can't be going to Disney. I got a mortgage. We haven't heard from BK yet, have we? I've got an update from his producer. He's uh, down there with family, including uh, nieces and nephews. Okay. Okay. Good. There you go. Great. See, Good that makes you. sense. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Coming up, more reaction to... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Completely derailed the segment. Uh, but... uh, it was fun. Uh, so what do the Blues do about this whole David Perron situation? He's uh. going to play next year at the age of 34. We want to hear from you as to whether or not the Blues need to move the world so that they can have David Perron in a blue sweater for the rest of his career. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Eight oh seven in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle and Randy, NHL free agency starting tomorrow. And as our friend and Blues insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, writes in the Athletic this morning, the Blues have to find a backup goalie following the departure of Villejuso to Detroit. If they were to sign Charlie Lindgren, a good guesstimate would be less than a million dollars AAV. Restricted free agent Nico Mikola, who has arbitration rights, could receive as much as. $1.2 million, and fellow RFA defenseman Scott Perunovich could fetch around 900000 That would eat up approximately $3.1 million of the Blues' $9 million cap space, leaving less than $6 million for Perron and another left-shot defenseman, whether it be Nick Letty or trading for somebody like Arizona's Jacob Chikrin. So... The Blues, if they're going to keep David Perron, need to open up cap space. The two people talked about Last week at the draft as being possibilities for the Blues to trade are Vladimir Tarasenko and Tori Krug. But Michelle, if the Blues are to keep Perron, they're going to have to move one of those guys. And I would think relatively quickly because NHL free agency moves in a blink. Mm-hmm. And my guess would be that if there's a team out there willing to spend $6 million a year over three years on David Perron, they'll pounce rather quickly. Which guy do you think would be more intriguing to other teams if they're out there, Vladimir Tarasenko or David Perron? Oh, Vladimir Tarasenko, easily, yeah. Now, the fact that he, you have to give up assets for Tarasenko and he only has one year left on his contract before becoming a UFA, but he's three years younger, he mm-hmm. regularly scores more than 30 goals. Even though he missed the two seasons, he returned to pretty dominant form in 2021-2022. I don't think there's any question. And he has shown in the past that he can carry a team. So I don't think there's any doubt that for team from a physical standpoint, Tarasenko is the guy that, uh, yeah, every single team would take. I just think about all of the intangibles that David Perron brings. And I know that they're in two different price points right now, like two different brackets. But I just think if David Perron were to hit the open market, I imagine there would be tons of teams that would be super interested in going after him, especially for the length of contract and the amount of money he would command and everything he could bring to your team. I just think he's a very desirable piece for a lot of different teams. If you look at what happened last year in free agency, let's use the Calgary Flames as as an example. A fourth-line player, who was a good fourth-line player, a 20-goal scorer for Tampa, a winning team, uh, Blake Coleman got a five-year contract, a six-year contract with an average annual value of $4.9 million. If you look at the Rangers, and when they went out and signed uh, Barkley Goodrow, who was another fourth-line player for Tampa, and granted, you're coming, you're, these players are coming from a team that won back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, so they have more intrinsic value because people think they know how to win. But David Perron is that same kind of guy. But if you look at what Goodrow got from the Rangers, he got a long-term contract at an average of $3.4 million, and that's for a fourth-line player. David Perron is a one or a two. He's a top six forward right now in the NHL. I would think that everything being equal, and by the way, his age is not equal, but 
if Barkley Goodrow's getting four point nine, then I would think that Perron's a six million dollar a year player. But I or, think, I'm, I'm sorry, Coleman got four point nine. Yeah, but if I'm David Perron and I really want to stay here, I'm at least open to negotiations, and I'm not suggesting he might take a massive hometown discount. But he understands because he's been elsewhere that the grass isn't always greener, and that he knows that this is a place where he feels comfortable, where he's a leader, and where probably most importantly, he's got a chance to win. Well, that's going to be a big thing because most of the teams that have cap space aren't teams that have a great chance to win. The teams with the most cap space right now give you the five greatest cap space teams. And Calgary, they don't have Johnny Goodrow signed. But it's Anaheim. They aren't going anywhere soon. Buffalo, Detroit, Arizona, and Calgary. Then after that, the next five, New Jersey, Ottawa, Seattle, Carolina, Chicago. So the teams with the 10 teams with the most cap space, they aren't winning during the rest of David Perron's career. And I guess at this point, it was it has to be mutual, right? It has to be a yeah. mutually decided upon agreement between the Blues and David Perron. But at this point in his career, I wonder what's more important to him. Maybe getting the last big contract that he can get and putting himself and his family in a better financial position or taking less money and being in a position to win another Stanley Cup. Yeah, and the other part of this, Michelle, it's a tough decision, is that there are going to to be other players. For for example, Nazem Kadri is going to get signed before David Perron mm-hmm. does. Money is going to go to Kadri before it goes Perron. We see that Malkin is going to enter free agency. He's going to get his money before David Perron gets his. And so, teams, what, what happens in free agency? They use up all their cap space. So it would behoove him, I would think, if he has that big contract and there's a, a gap of. What, what did they call it when Brett Favre had his a chasm? Is that what it is between uh, uh, chasm? C H A S M? Is that? Give me the a definition. Chasm, a, a chasm a is a deep fissure in the earth, rock, or earth another chasm. surface. Chasm. A chasm a mile yeah. long. Okay, chasm. So if there's a chasm. 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 Chasm, but, chasm. Yeah, between <laughs> Peron and the Blues, and somebody else is willing to bridge that gap for him financially, it would behoove him, I would think, to jump on that offer early. If it does come down to money and the Blues are offering 4.5 and somebody else is offering 6 and that $4.5 million over three years is that meaningful? And that's a lot of money uh, for a guy like David Perron. It's not like he's signing a $100 million contract or $200 million contract, or he's saying, you know, what? why would I leave for another $3 million a year? He's not doing that. Yeah. Then he should jump on that quickly. I know that we trust Army. He's he's earned that right. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to tell you, this one has me nervous, Randy. It really does. Because you can't really quantify everything that David Perron brings to the St. Louis Blues. And for a team that is shifting into a new identity, they're not the 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues anymore. But having those leaders from that team, it's still really important because they know how to win. And these are players that understand what it means to wear that sweater and to represent the blue note and to be a part of the St. Louis community. Not to mention that you have production on the ice, but all of that matters. All of that means something. And you can't really quantify what so, what somebody like David Perron brings to a dressing room. And I just, I worry about uh, Ryan O'Reilly not having that connection mm-hmm. and that chemistry if David Perron isn't on the ice and on the line with him. There's just a lot of, of things that I think 
past just the dollar amount that you would be losing with David Perron. And that's very well put because my question, and you talk about very important things. My question would be, because in Army we trust, what player has Doug Armstrong traded away that we as Blues fans really regret that he's gone? Ben Bishop? Ben Bishop was a... a, The fact that I even had to think about it proves your point. Yeah. Uh, But, because I remember when TJ Oshie wasn't with the mm -hmm. Blues anymore. That was a tough one for fans. uh, David Backus was a tough one for fans. Now, do I think that fans assumed that, or they thought that Army should have paid David Backus the amount of money that he commanded from the Bruins? No, but... He had he was a David Perron type player. He was a captain. He was a leader. He poured everything into this team and to this community. And that was a really tough one to watch him walk away. But I understood from the financials why Army wasn't willing to go there. But with with this one, I think the the state of the team is a little different. And I think again, having just watched what happened in the playoffs, the Blues might not have made it. They would have never made it to that round versus Colorado without David Perron. And to the point that you were making, David Perron isn't going to be as important to the next team as he is to this team. You can give him $6 million a year, but there's no way that he walks into another dressing room and has the impact on that dressing room that he has on this one. That's right. Great point. Because he's a guy that's come back three times. He's a guy that loves the town. He's a guy that has seen great leadership and exhibits great leadership with young players. He's a guy that is more valuable to the Blues than he is to the other 29 teams or 31 teams, however many we have right now. 31 teams. Think think about the Blues alumni and think about the video that played before the 2019 Stanley Mm -hmm. Cup playoff games where it's like, all of these blues legends who talk about the city and the grit and what it means to be a blue and how important it is to carry that energy out onto the ice that you're representing not only yourself and the organization, but the city behind you. David Perron is a guy that gets that. David Perron is a guy that actually takes that energy and he plays with it. He's the representation of how we feel as blues fans. It's, it would be very tough to watch somebody like that walk out the door. It would. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Next up, one's got to go. You have to make, we stole this by the way from BK and Ferrario, you have to make a move for the Cardinals. Which prospect are you giving up? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The MLB trade deadline is three weeks from today, and the Cardinals should be buyers at the trade deadline. Yesterday, Baseball America announced their latest top 100 prospects list, and Michelle, the Cardinals have an MLB leading Seven prospects among the top 100. Jordan Walker at Springfield, the third baseman. Matthew Libertor is number 36. Mason Wynn is number 67. Alec Burleson, the left-handed hitting outfielder at Memphis, is number 75. Gordon Graceffo is number 76. He was drafted during the COVID year, I believe. Uh, right-handed pitcher has been great. Yvonne Herrera, who we saw for the last couple of weeks, is the number 90 prospect for Baseball America. And right-hander Tink Hentz is number 95. And the Cardinals have some other guys at the minor league level who are showing themselves to be really strong prospects and 
they've got some guys that it would hurt the Cardinals to trade. But we have to trade one. That's the thing. We have to trade a prospect to get our pitcher three weeks from today. So we're moving one, and this is very easy for me. When I look at the list that I have in front of me, when I look at the Cardinals' top 30 list, according to MLB's pipeline, I want to maximize my value, and I want to have enough in reserve so that if I trade this guy, not only do I get a pitcher to help me down the stretch in 2022, but I still have enough prospects behind this guy. I'm trading Matthew Libertor. Whoa, not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go Alec Burleson. No, I I want to have Alec Burleson here. The thing is, I don't know if Tyler O'Neill has a long-term future just because he's hurt all the time. He's going to be a free agent in two years. And Brendan Donovan now, granted he got sick, but he's kind of fallen off the cliff. I want to have another guy that has the potential to be a good, solid left-handed bat. I'm going to have Bader in center, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have Carlson in right. So I want to have a left fielder, and I want to have my choice. And that's, that's why I'm going to try Alec Burleson as my future left fielder 2023 and beyond. So, Matthew Libertor, you're willing to part with him. Go on. Yes. Well, I've got Grafesso, uh, Grisefo. I've got Michael McGreevy, the first rounder from last year. I've got Tink Hentz, who is down the road. He's probably four or five years down the road. I just feel like I have, and I've got, even though I'm not going to have Wainwright next year, I've got Michaelis under contract. I've got Steven Matz under contract. Hopefully, they're reasonably effective. I've got Dakota Hudson here. I like what I've seen of Palante. I've got good young starting pitching. Now, all of it's not left-handed, but I think all of it probably will slot in, in terms of building a rotation, ahead of Matthew Libertor for me. I think Libertor will be battling for a four or five spot in my rotation, and I feel like I've got enough guys to do that. So that's a, And by the way, yes. it's not that I dislike him. I want to get something good, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's really, really good and really attractive to another team. So I'm going to go back to Randy Rosarena because that's where any mm-hmm. conversation involving Matthew Libertor ultimately ends up if you're a Cardinals fan. And I wonder your thought on this. Right now, fans here in St. Louis think that was ridiculous that Randy Rosarena was dealt because he's turned into a great baseball player. If you move Matthew Libertor and you get something in return and you don't win the World Series and he goes off and becomes effective for another Mm -hmm. team, that is a big risk. That is, but I've been instructed that I have to trade one. You do. You have to. But but I'm just trying to talk through this because... Teams will ask for him. That's going to Mm -hmm. be something that they're going to have to decide. Is Matthew Libertor valuable enough for us here in the present and in the future that we don't want to part with him? That is a risk, though, because the fans, I can't even imagine what the BFIB would be saying if the Cardinals give up Matthew Libertor, they don't win the World Series, and he ends up being a stud somewhere. But the problem is, if you give up Mason Wynn and he becomes a stud somewhere, and you don't win the World Series. Same thing's going to happen. For sure. And I, I understand. I'm, I have already separated the Randy Rosarena and Matthew Libertor. I'm looking at this team as it's currently constructed with the outfielders and the pitchers that it has. I, I've, I've thrown the Randy Rosarena trade out the window. I'm, I'm looking at Libertor now as just a guy that I drafted. For sure. So... I'm kind of with you. I did this exercise looking at the team as it's currently constructed. And I keep saying this about the 2022 Cardinals. If not now, when? And with that being said, outside of Jordan Walker and Yvonne Herrera, who is going to have to be the catcher of the future, 
all of these guys I'm okay with. Those wow. are my only two untouchables. Because, Randy, how many times have we talked about young Cardinals prospects being the next X player or the next big X factor for the team? And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're going to have to trust your scouting department enough to say, we're going to continue to draft and develop great new players and we can bring in free agents here and there to supplement the team. But I'm looking at this as a window where I have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I have the last year mm-hmm. of Adam Wainwright, or maybe the last year of Adam Wainwright, but certainly the last year of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, plus a team that's in a decent position, second in the division, while being completely decimated by injuries. They're going to continue to get healthier, and I need to make sure to fortify this team right now and put them in the best position to win. And if that means giving up a player that could potentially turn into a stud in order for us to win now, or at least really, really try to go for it now, I'm okay with it. I would not give up Mason Wynn. And I haven't, I'm not going to say that I've watched him play 10 times. I've watched him play three times. But every time I watch him play... He does something really spectacular. He, I don't know that the Cardinals have had as dynamic an offensive or defensive prospect as Mason Wynn is in a long, long time. I don't think that I would be messing around with giving up a guy who... Watch Trey Turner tonight with the Dodgers. He's got a Trey Turner skill set. He can be that guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck the, uh, the premise. I'm trading away two. I'm trading away okay. Matthew Libertor, and I'm trading away Alec Burleson. Here's why. Best case scenario, Nolan Gorman progresses. You continue to get some kind of, you know, let's say four years from now, Mason Wynn comes up as your shortstop. Nolan Gorman progresses. He's your second baseman. Tommy Edmond, he's still he's still just killing it. Tommy Two Bags, where are you putting him? He can get a little outfield run. Well, now I'm not so worried about my outfield depth. I'm okay with trading Alec Burleson, and I just think Libertor. I like what I've seen from him, but at the same time, I don't know if I've seen anything that tells me he's going to be anything more than a number three. So if he's still rated 36 around the rest of baseball. I think that's pretty good value you move them right now. You, you combine those two, and you can pretty much get any pitcher you want, including, I think, that base gets you on the road to Luis Castillo from the Reds. Maybe not enough, but I think at least gets you on a pretty good start for what they're going to get from other baseball teams, especially and when you consider the extra heft you're paying as an in-division rival. As somebody who spent the 70s watching Steve Carlton play in the same division, I'm I'm not that intrigued by the idea of having those players in the division and having Castillo for a couple of years. But at some point, though, yes, you you want to have success in the present while still building for the future. Mm-hmm. That's a no-brainer. That's what the Cardinals have continued to do. That's why we're even in the position to have this conversation. But at some point... If I'm in the front office, I need to not operate from a position of fear. I need to operate from a position of urgency. So then we should not be upset about the trade of Randy Rosarena then, right? I'm not. I understand why it was made. They so. they thought that they had a surplus in the outfield. And the three guys that they bet on, I know right now two are injured, but they turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I know that fans don't want to hear that because Randy Rosarena. Oh, yeah, what? It, Bader, Carlson, O'Neill. Yeah. All three. All three turned out to be pretty good. And like I said, two of the three are injured right now. But we know that all three of those are win healthy impact players. And at some point, you're going to have to give up something good to get something good in return. It's going to hurt for you to put yourself in a position to win. And I think fans can't have it both ways. You can't be mad that Mo is going to trade away good players, but then also complain that he doesn't do enough to win. And I'm in a position now where it's been 10 years since they won the World Series. And they've got, they've got 
legends that are sunsetting their careers while you have two cornerstone guys who are the next generation of leaders or the current generation, if you will, and all these young players ascending. You've got a great foundation, but you you have a glaring hole and you need to go out and and you're in a division that's easily winnable. Mm hmm. Yeah, you, you could win the Central if you go out and get pitching. Yep. You could put yourself in a good position to not only get to the playoffs, but feel like you can really contend for a World Series. Yeah. I would, would suggest that if you would offer two top 100 prospects, kind of like what the Dodgers did last year at the deadline when they got Scherzer and Turner, you should be able to get that sort of a haul back. I'm totally down for that. That's, I think that makes sense. And, and if, by the way, who's the Max Scherzer that you're going to get this year? I don't know if there's anybody to that level. Yeah, but still, no. if you have the most if you have the most top 100 prospects in baseball and you have a roster that people like Buster only look at from 3000 feet and say that's a World Series roster with one or two moves, then you make those moves to try to go win a World Series and you build on the fact that you'll still have five of the top 100. Yeah, not not a bad thought and we we have to get rid of one. I just I, I, my question would be do you have enough outfield depth presuming that what we think that Tyler O'Neill's career history is going to continue, that he's just too muscular and he's always going to be pulling muscles and he's going to miss a lot of time. And by the way, Harrison Bader hasn't been much more durable the last couple of years either. So do you have enough young outfield depth that you can afford to move a guy like Burleson? And by Jordan Walker, you've got uh, Arenado here. Jordan Walker has to move to the outfield at some yeah, point. Too. That's what exactly. I was thinking as well. He's playing left field. Come on now. Yeah. Where's yeah, Brendan if Brendan Donovan keeps on playing this well, and you got Gorman and Wynn and all those guys coming up, maybe he's a you know he, he can play the corner outfield. He's athletic. Yeah, and Gorman might be the guy if if you love Wynn that much. Yeah, Gorman could be the guy. Yeah, he, he you could trade him and he could be a third baseman for somebody, and he could be really good for a long time. He's a guy that wouldn't bother you. Goes to Oakland for a couple of years, three four years, and then gets traded to the Yankees or the Mets or the Dodgers. They have a desirable surplus of young guys. If you're the Cardinals, you can call almost any team and put together a really good package to get what you want. You have a lot of desirable pieces. They could go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, Alec Burleson is this year hitting 336 with a 937 OPS, 16 homers, 64 <laughs> RBIs, and he turns 22 in November. Pretty good. Yeah. No, not 24 in November. Yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, and his career numbers, he's got an 843 OPS as a minor leaguer. He's a really good player. And I would think that would be a guy that at some point, you, if you win a World Series, then it doesn't make any difference. You give up whatever it takes to win the World Series. But if you don't win the World Series and that guy's hitting 35 home runs a year for somebody else, then you feel pretty bad about it. Yes, you do. Uh Oh, we need a fighter. We Uh-oh. don't have a fighter. You need to text in 65780 with the word fight right now because we do have the fight coming your way here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It is time for the fight on this Tuesday on Carricker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's bring in Randy's challenger this morning. Jack is joining us. Good morning, Jack. How you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? 
I'm doing well as well. Good. Thank you for asking. Uh, Jack, where are you from? I am from Arnold. I'm at work right now up on the uh, beautiful North Riverfront in oh, the city. Lovely. What do you do, Jack? I'm a security specialist. Oh, love that. Okay, great. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for playing. Are you ready to take on Randy? Uh, probably not, but let's give it a go anyway. <laughs> okay. Do you have one specific <laughs> sport that you feel more uh, confident in, Jack? I uh, feel more confident with baseball, mm. uh, NFL, hockey. Uh, NBA is way down, way down the list. So. Okay, well, you're in luck today. I think this <laughs> well, good. this fight might be tailored for you, Jack. So I let, no basketball, Jack. Yes, you did. So let's jump right in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Question number one for Jack. Albert Pujols will set a new record for career home runs for a home run derby participant. He has 684 home runs through yesterday. Whose record will he break? Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, or Alex Rodriguez? Uh, uh, A-Rod. What career passing record did Brett Favre set in the Edward Jones Dome? Was that career passing touchdowns, interceptions, or yards? I believe it was interceptions. Jack, on this day in 1996, future Hall of Famer Kirby Puckett retired mid-season because of an injury to what? His back, his Achilles, or his eye? Uh, was I eye injury. And on this day in 1979, the Chicago White Sox inadvertently started a riot when they gathered between a doubleheader to destroy <laughs> records exclusively from what musical genre? Was that classical, disco. country, oh. or there it is, disco, before the uh, option even comes across? Jack knew it. Dis- Jack knew disco it. demolition night. Oh, very good, Jack. Checking the score. We've confirmed it. Let's wave in Randy. Here he is. He's coming in. Disco demolition night. Sounds like fun. Oh. Make sure that Randy doesn't hear what I was saying there. <laughs> It's always tricky. You never know when he's coming in. Randy, please say good morning to Jack, who is from Arnold. Jack from Arnold, good morning. How you doing? Just fine, Randy from Creve Corps. Doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you with us. Yeah, I'm on the mean streets. Yeah. <laughs> Randy MC, we haven't had a rap in a while. Oh, we got to work on that. Yeah, we do. Me and Marsh, you got to we got to collab. Wait, should we have an eight-mile rap battle between you and Marsh Marsh? No, not a, not a battle. We could collab. We could go east, like... They're, like they, they used to have East Coast, West Coast, you yeah. know, but nobody got shot, would get shot in ours. We'd have morning and afternoon. Okay. So you're telling me it's going to be like a, a Future and Drake collab. Yeah, exactly. Okay, right. great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because you're more of a lyricist and he's kind of, he brings in the soul and the, the right. Drake like half rapping, half singing vibe. Okay, here's the question. Me and Marshy, who gets shot 50 times first? You, definitely. Okay. I figured that would be the case. Yeah. Well, just because, Randy, you've been on the main streets longer, so you naturally will have more enemies than Marshy. I don't think there's any doubt about that, Michelle. Also, I saw his videos, and he does not look um, like an intimidating force. He kind of looks like he's uh, off of a break from his internship at an insurance agency. Like, no one's going to want to shoot that guy. You're not wrong. You know? Yeah. I'm with you. And th- I say that with all due respect. <laughs> It's a great vibe. Yeah, coming after his street cred. Unbelievable. No, I'm How not. How could his name not be Jake from State Farm? <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm sorry for the I'm sorry for the slander, Marshy Marsh. What was the name of his song again? Uh was it, was it Drug? Drug. It was, it was yeah. about love though. About yeah, love. love is a drug. Anyway, enough about <laughs> Randy, are love you? you Marshy. We love we I thought I said it low key slapped. I thought it was great. Uh Randy, are you ready? Ready. Albert Pujols will set a new record for career home runs for a home run derby participant. He has 684 home runs through Monday. Whose record will he break? For 
appearances in the Home Run Derby? You know, for how many career home runs you had while you participated in the Home Run Derby. Okay. The I always love ever. the Home Run Derby questions, as you know, Michelle. Uh, home runs in the Home Run Derby. He loves it. Okay. <laughs> so you have uh, Barry Bonds, who played in a lot of these babies, I would think. You have Pete Alonso. Now, the rules have changed over the years. It used to be you only needed like 12 or 13. Now you can hit so many. I am going to home runs hit. Okay, he's not passing Pete Alonso this year because Pete Alonso's in this one. Who would he pass? How many does he need to pass? Do we know? It's, well. Home runs hit in the home run derby. No, no, no. How many home runs he has in his career. Let me repeat it. Okay. Albert Pujols will set a new record for career home runs for a home run derby participant. So oh. he has the most home runs in his career. For a home run derby for participant. For a home run derby participant. Of any year. So like Barry Bonds 762 home runs would be more. But didn't A-Rod ever participate in a home run derby? I know Barry Bonds did. I'm guessing that it, A-Rod did not. Okay, so I'll go Barry Bonds. Process of elimination there. What career? Well, Babe Ruth, man, he was awesome in the home run derby. <laughs> <laughs> what career passing record did Brett Favre set in the Edward Jones Dome? Brett Favre. Favre. Um, which one did he break? Okay, so oh, six interceptions in a playoff game. Regular season career passing record. Oh, sorry, you got to be joking. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think you'd have that one in your pocket. Yeah, I kind of did. Well, that's. Oh my God. That's what our anyway. I think our participant might have been thinking the same thing. By the way, career passing because that's what he guessed. Anyway, um, so I'll do the lifeline here. So yeah, career passing total record is is what is what I'm asking okay. for. Touchdowns, interceptions, or yards. Um, I'm going to say that he did the interception one here. On this day in 1996, future Hall of Famer Kirby Puckett retired midseason because of an injury to what? His eye. What? what yeah. I did. And then I did. On, on this day yeah. in 1979, the Chicago White Sox inadvertently started a riot when they gathered between a doubleheader to destroy records exclusively from what musical genre? Okay, we were talking about this over the weekend because this uh, DJ in Chicago started Disco Demolition Night. By the way, St. Louis and Dave Phillips was the home plate umpire. Wow. But it, the Bee Gees were an exceptionally talented group of people, the brothers, and it kind of ruined their careers because this guy decided he hated disco, which wasn't, I, I love disco music. I think it's great. But this, and I forgot the disco guy's name, the DJ's name up in Chicago, but he, he essentially got people to hate disco and thereby hate the Bee Gees and ruin their career. Wow. Yeah. From this one demolition night. Yeah. Disco demolition night. So that's what it was. Okay. TLR. TLR hated disco. He did? He probably started this. He likes sticks. <laughs> Dennis DeYoung, buddy, right? Uh, who is his other buddy? Mellencamp or Spring Tree? Springsteen? Uh, no. Who is it? <laughs> One night. Oh, yeah. We're doing, uh, we're, we've got a Cardinal game on a Friday night. <laughs> and Mike, Mike Shannon is promoting Live at Shannon's after the game. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen coming over for Live at Shannon's with Tony LaRussa. Bruce Springsteen, three or four times. Millions of people at Shannon's. It was Bruce Hornsby from Bruce Hornsby in the Range. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
I can't imagine how angry people were when they showed up thinking they were going to see the boss. Bruce Hornsby walks by and they have no idea who he is. And pe- people have like a cultish, uh, cultish obsession with Bruce Springsteen. So yeah. people probably drove in from far yep. away. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great story, Randy. That was amazing. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say disco. Okay. Great. <laughs> That's making a short story long. We're running late. So Rocky, I'll ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. I'm unstoppable today. I feel badly for Jack because I think he might have been confused too on question number two. What were the three options? Touchdowns, interceptions, and yards. Jack, okay. is that what you were thinking too? Yeah. See, yeah, that's okay. Had he gotten that right, he would have tied you. Oh. It was three to two, final score. Oh. I'm no, so well, I said interceptions also. Yeah, if, if, if uh, Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. Okay. Um, well, let's run through our answers. So Albert Pujols is going to set a new record for career home runs for a home run derby participant, 684 through Monday. He will break Barry Bonds' record, 681 home runs he had during the 04 home run derby. The career passing record that Brett Favre set in the Edward Jones Dome was... A career yards? Is that what it just says yards? Career, career passing yards. Career passing yards. He passed Dan Marino's 61,361 against the Rams on December 15th, 2007. Something bad happened against the Rams? Shocking. Someone else had a great day against the Rams? Even <laughs> shocking. more shocking. Um, on this day in 1996, future Hall of Famer Kirby Puckett retired midseason because of an injury to his eye. Ouch. Big time out. On this day in 1979, the Chicago White Sox inadvertently started a riot when they gathered between the doubleheaders to destroy records exclusively from the disco genre. It was, in fact, Disco Demolition Night. And Steve Dahl was the disc, the DJ for Disco Demolition Night that brought all of this hatred about. Uh, so that's it. We're done. Yeah, Jack, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great week. Hey, anytime. You guys are the best. Enjoy listening to it. And uh, I'll go back sit back on my desk and watch my security <laughs> monitors with my with my uh, head in my hands. Right. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it, Jack. Next up, Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Chris Smallman on 101 ESPN and standing by on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is the great Mike Claiborne. Of course, you can hear him on Cardinal Broadcasts on KMOX and the Cardinal Network. And you can also hear his great work with Joe West on the 5460 Podcast. And don't forget, you need to check out the socials of Claibs Online. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you all? Everything's good. It feels a lot better to win two in a row, and it does. Yeah. It, it, especially the way that the Cardinals came away with a split, because I think most of us thought Cardinals are going to lose three out of four and get swept by Philly. So to come away with a split is a pretty good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and, and you're right. The way they did it uh, Sunday, the way they were able to come back and win that game, and then I thought the defense in both games was good, but especially last night with Dylan Carlson. Uh, coming up big again. So uh, you, you, it was a coast last night to somewhat, you know, when you went by that score. But I think anybody who took the game in knew they had to work at getting to where they were at. And, you know, let's see what we can do against the Dodgers. They're, they're one of the best teams. And let's face it, if, if you're going to be good in postseason, you better figure out how to beat good teams now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Dodgers will pose a very good 
opponent to us. Uh, well, I think they're starting pitchers like 21 and 2 combined. So we have our work cut out for us. Mike, most of the time, rookies don't come up like Vince Coleman did in 85 or Albert Pujols did in 01. Usually it takes a young player a little while to find himself, especially a guy as young as Dylan Carlson. He seems to be feeling it right now to me, both offensively and defensively. He seems like a guy who's pretty close to to figuring it out at the big league level. Not, not that he's going to ever figure it out. Nobody does, but you know what I'm saying. He's he's getting close yeah. to being comfortable as a major leaguer. Well, I agree with you. I, I think the word would be confidence. Uh, playing center field is a position he played all his career, all his life until he came to the Cardinals where he was moved right. And now that he's making some plays in center field, it shows at the plate he's hitting over 400 when he swings from the right side. And now he's starting to have a little bit more success from the left side. So maybe it's all coming together. So a guy like that, he probably says, who needs an all-star break? Let's keep playing. Claves, we got some news yesterday about Jack Flaherty. He was moved to the 60-day IL, which means that the earliest he can return to the active roster is August 27th. Do you think that we'll see Jack Flaherty pitch for the Cardinals again this season? Well, Michelle, I, I've been wrong on this one from day one. You know, I thought he'd be back by you know the end of April. And so, you know, then when he did come back, it, it didn't work. So, you know what, it's, it's a good question. I, I'm going to probably say, yeah, we'll probably, we'll probably get him back. But, but to what extent, you know, how effective will he be? Because he's obviously got to get stretched out. And the last thing the Cardinals need is another five-inning pitcher. So uh, let's cross our fingers that he can excel before then and be really ready to go deep and be dominant like we think he can be. And with that being the case, Michael, the Cardinals have to make a deal three weeks from today. We talked last week about the possibilities of deals, but now that you know that the earliest Flaherty could come back is August 27th, they have no choice but to go out and get a starting pitcher if they want to be able to compete at a high level. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, that, that kind of defines things because, you know, you've seen what everything your organization has to offer, who, who's able to, to contribute at a big league level. So you know the answer isn't there. And that's not to say that these guys won't develop into being good pitchers down the road, but what the Cardinals are looking for now is not in the organization. And you may have to pay a price for it, but I think if you're going to pay the price for somebody, you have to make sure you have control, and you better make sure that that person is going to be able to really be a mainstay in your rotation next year as well. So where that comes from, I don't know, because, you know, you hear so many teams that – or saying, man, we're looking for good starting pitching, we're looking for shutdown pitchers, and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of them available. With that being said, Claves, the Cardinals have a surplus of young prospects. They have a Major League Baseball leading seven prospects in Baseball's America's Top 100 list. Um, I'll, I don't need to give you all the names, but is there anyone in, in that group that you think is untouchable? Yeah, I think that uh, Wynn and, and Walker are definitely untouchable. Prosecco is another guy that I think I'd like to see him a little bit more. Uh, but those would be three. Uh, there's some other guys. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen Herrera. We've seen Libertor. And, and while I think they have very promising careers in front of them, um, you know, I think if you ask anybody who's seen Walker and Wynn, they'll tell you Walker's definitely can't miss. And Wynn's got too much skill not to be. So, you know, when you look at those two, I think they're off the table when it comes to negotiation. Everybody else, I think, might be in play because, to be honest with you, we didn't see enough of Burleson in spring training to, to really qualify him as this can't-miss guy. 
uh, like he and Connor Capel and some of those guys were late inning substitutions. So we really didn't see them when they when the fire was really going. So um, you, you know, let's face it: if you're going to move to get a really good player, you're going to have to give up one. I mean, the, the, the you know trading a Cy Young candidate for a bag of balls and a, and a draft choice or a whoever, whatever you want to trade them for, those, those deals just don't work like that anymore. I think scouting has become too refined, and I think people really know what you have, and they're going to keep asking for it until you say either yes or we're going to move on. You and Joe West have a national treasure, Charles Barkley, on the latest 5460 podcast. What And people can listen to it wherever you find your favorite podcast. Just go and find the Joe West 5460 podcast with Mike Claiborne. What was your prime fun takeaway from Charles? Well, I think talking about Roy Green. Uh, Roy Green, former Big Red uh, receiver, one of the greatest receivers ever to play in St. Louis. And the fact that Charles was talking to him about how he used to watch the Cardinals and the Eagles, and they had a guy named Roy Green on the team that was a really good player. And Roy said, yeah, that was me. You know, I mean, Charles never put it together. So I, I thought that was fun and just how he had people look after him when he was young in the NBA and uh, the guys who took care of him, you know, two Hall of Famers and Moses Malone and, and Julius Irving. But there, there's a lot of good stories about him. And, uh, you know, he's, he made the point, you know, when he's giving away a million dollars a year to an HBCU, and he just handed over a million bucks to uh, Spellman uh, in Atlanta the other day. So he's a man of his word. I, he, and I think he's dead serious. He said when his contract is up in two years, that'll be the last you see of him. That's really surprising because he he seems to have so much to say and he he seems to be having so much fun. Yeah, you know what, and and that can change. Like he was, we we talked off the air about the fact he said, "Man, all I'm doing is fishing and playing golf," you know, and and that's as busy as I like being. But I I think we and we all know people who say that when they retire, all I'm gonna do is fish and golf, and the next thing you know, they got a part time job somewhere because they got bored. So. Uh, I, I think he'll always have a presence. Uh, it may be in a different form than maybe the NBA or in a show structure like that. But, you know, I, I'll wait and see. As I told him, I'll see it when I believe it. And, Mike, I used to watch that Hank Haney Golf Channel teaching show that he had, and Charles had the worst swing in the history of golf. He finished 74th, and he hit, he finished ahead of 13 people this weekend in the American Century Championships. He has put a lot of work into it and become a much yeah. better golfer, hasn't he? Well, Stan Utley, University of Missouri uh, alum, has been working with him. And, and he made a great point, and I think we've all gone through this. He has listened to so many people, so many coaches, swing gurus, and everything else, that his head was about to explode. And Utley really simplified things for him, and I think that's why he's picked up the clubs and started to play again. And I, I know I feel his pain. I think we've all had you know enough people trying to tell us what's wrong, but we still aren't fixed. So, uh, welcome yeah, to I, Paul I DeYoung's think, world. Absolutely. You know what, Randy? I, that was exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah. In switching sports, and, and apparently, you know, and we we haven't heard much of him. I know he, had, he was hitting the hand, and he hasn't been playing as much. But I haven't seen enough to even warrant him getting another look right now. I mean, he's just kind of leveled off you know he got hot for a while mm -hmm. and i'm always concerned about minor league numbers because they're hitting minor league pitching you know it, you know a lot of guys can hit minor league pitching but it's the guys at this level that you have to figure out and i'm not sure if he's gotten to that point yet which brings to the question what do you do with him 
as far as his future with this team. I thought it was really interesting. Mo used the term Wally Pipped about yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That tells me a lot that I don't th- I'm with you. I don't think we see him again. Well, you know what? Whatever he does, I hope he's good at it and happy with it because he's a good person. Uh, and you root for people like that to, to be able to find some success and happiness. And sometimes it's in another organization. But, you know, who knows, man? You know how injuries come up and things may take place, and you never know. He could be in the lineup before you know it. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, Klaibs, how about Matt Carpenter, who had the same situation where he went and sought counsel from all these different people in order to fix himself and find himself again, having so much success with the Yankees? Maybe quit listening to everybody. Because, you know, every year, Michelle, uh, Randy, every season it was like, well, I'm working with this guy, or I changed my swing, or I'm losing weight, or I'm gaining weight, or I'm lifting weight. I'm not going to wear gloves. I'm going to do this. And every year there was an annual, this is why I'm going to be better. And for the most part, none of it worked. You know, you had flashes of it, but not enough of it worked. Now he's gone to New York. And maybe it doesn't hurt to have that kind of lineup around him either. But obviously he's done some things that have that given him a, a better look at the fact that he continued to grind at it. Remember, he had a minor league invite to Texas. Didn't make that roster. Was in the minor leagues and then the Yankees picked him up and, you know, he started to play much better and you couldn't be happier for a guy. I mean, he's a guy that, well, I don't know if he's a red jacket owner. I I do think he has a real significant role in in Cardinal history. No doubt about it. Mike Claiborne, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned into the 5460 podcast with yourself, Joe West and Charles Barkley. Find that at your favorite podcast place. And we'll talk to you soon. You guys have a great week. Take care. See you, brother. That is our friend, Mike Claiborne, the great Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. 90 minutes with Charles Barkley. And probably wasn't enough time. No, that's right. He's, I can't imagine him not wanting to talk. I But see, he did um, a long-form interview with Ryan Rossillo, who I used to work with mm-hmm. on ESPN, on the Ryan Rossillo podcast. And he said the same thing to Ryan, that at some point he looks at his life and he thinks... I have been so fortunate and I've accomplished such and I just want to fish and play golf and enjoy myself. I don't want to have to think about watching games or, or going to work. Mm-hmm. He kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was kind of like, at what point is it enough? Yeah, good for him. He has reached a level of status in our country that I don't think any, I won't say any, very few people have. He's uncancelable. He can say whatever he wants, and that's just Charles being Charles. And that is so fortunate because I think we need that sort of outspokenness and people that don't get just completely vanquished from society because they said something. And you're right, because he'll say something that could be considered controversial if someone mm-hmm. else said it, but instead he makes people laugh. Right. Like We still yeah. laugh with Charles Barkley, which is, you're right, so rare and so needed. Yep, That's Michelle. I'm Randy. The Cards beat the Phillies last night. Now they have to take on the Dodgers. How do they beat L.A.? Beat L.A. Beat L.A. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. The Cardinals open a three-game series with the Dodgers tonight at Bush Stadium. Mitch White will pitch for L.A., making his eighth start of the year. He'll be opposed by the Cardinal left-hander Matthew Libertor. Michelle, the L.A. Dodgers lead the National League in runs per game at 5.05. They can outscore you. They can. They're really good offensively. Michelle, 
The Los Angeles Dodgers lead the National League in earned run average at 3.27. They can really suppress your run ability. If, if you aren't scoring, you're not going to beat the Dodgers. If you're pitching, you're not going to be able to beat the Dodgers. The, the, okay, let me say this again. Dodgers lead the league in runs per game offensively, and they also lead the league in earned run average. They're allowing the fewest runs and they're scoring the most runs is how I'm going to boil this down. Okay, great. So how do the Cardinals beat them? Well, there are a couple of things the Cardinals have to do. Number one, they have to play their normal great defense. Now, over the course of the last couple of days, you've had Goldie get his scheduled day off. You've had Nolan get his scheduled day off. Tommy Edmond has to be there at shortstop, even though the offense is coming back around a little bit, but not where we want it to be. But the Cardinal defense has to be stellar. You can't give the Dodgers anything, because if you do, they'll take it. And the other thing you have to do against the Dodgers, and this kind of sounds counterintuitive for Randy Carricker, because it is. Okay. But the Cardinals need to hit home runs, and they aren't doing enough of that. You can't put together, and BT was talking about this yesterday, just in general, but against L.A. specifically, you aren't going to be able to put together a group of hits. To score runs against L.A., you're going to need to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So, Libertor is going to have to stay around the zone. Don't give them anything. Don't walk anybody. Don't walk anybody. And allow their defense, your defense to do their work. And then offensively, hit some home runs off of Mitch White. We need Dylan Carlson to continue to be hot. We need Albert Pujols to maybe get one. He was close yesterday. Yeah, and White's right-hander. I I would guess that Dickerson will be back in there tonight. I wouldn't think Albert will be. But Dickerson can hit another. I would go to my FanDuel Sportsbook app and put a shilling down on on Corey Dickerson to hit one out of the ballpark. By the way, the uh, Dodgers have allowed the fourth fewest home runs in the National League. They've allowed only 79 uh, actually, third in the National League, fourth in Major League Baseball. They've allowed only 79 home runs. And conversely, when you look at what the Cardinals have been able to accomplish offensively, uh, middle of the pack. They've only hit 93 home runs. The leaders, the Yankees have hit 146. The Braves have hit 134. So the Cardinals are 40 behind Atlanta in the National League. But as you tweeted just this morning, Randy, in the last their last 11 innings, the Cardinals have scored nearly a run per inning. Not only... Are the Cardinals the hottest offensive team? But the hottest hitter on the planet is Corey Dickerson. So Corey Dickerson just needs to keep it going. Keep it going. And the Cardinals will beat the Dodgers, is what you're telling me. If I'm connecting A plus B to equal C, this is what you're telling me? Admittedly, small sample size. Super small, but but we'll take it. Sample size, nonetheless, I picked it. And so, yeah, the, uh, that's what uh, I, I think they need to do. By the way, uh, at Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine, have a poll up, and uh, we still have 20 minutes left. Small sample size, but in their last 11 innings, the Cardinals have scored nearly a run per inning. Mm-hmm. The poll question answers are, A, Jeff Albert is a genius okay. right now. That has 14.1%. Oh. B, wait until tonight. They want to see what happens against Mitch White and the Dodgers. Sure. That is 44.3%. Or C, need more time to decide. That has 41.6%. Yeah, I think you might need a little more time to decide, even though I do like the metrics coming out of this incredibly small 11-inning sample size. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I appreciate you digging into those numbers. Yeah. But, you know, Randy, Adam Wainwright is going tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. versus Tony Gonsolin, which would be a great matchup. Yeah. But you feel good about your chances anytime Adam Wainwright has the ball. And I'm interested to see what Matthew Libertor is going to give the Cardinals tonight. I am too. And he, like I said, just can't give them anything. And if I get six innings out of Matthew, if I get a quality start out of Libertor, six innings, three runs, 
I feel like he's given me all he really can. He's given me a great chance to win. If I get that out of him, I'm a happy camper. Against the Dodgers team that's 56 and 29, three games clear of the Mets for the best overall record in the National League, 26 and 16, 10 games over 500 on the road. Their run differential is plus 151. They're the only team in the National League that even has a plus 100 run differential, and they're plus 151. Second in the National League is the Mets at plus 73. Think about that. Their run differential is 27 plus 51. That would be 78 runs better. Than the the next team, it's unbelievable. That is ridiculous. That is, and it's a run a game, a run a game better differential than anybody else. They're really good. That's yeah. outrageous. But you know, I, I look at it this way. Mike Claiborne, I thought, brought up a really good point. At some point, you're going to have to really start beating good teams. If you really yeah. think that you're a playoff team, if you really think you're a World Series contender, I know that the team is banged up. I know that we're getting close to the All-Star break, and as Ali Marmol pointed out last night, guys are grinding. They're tired. I mean, it's a it's a long grind of a season, and they're looking forward to that break, but think about how tired you're going to be come postseason time. Mm-hmm. Think about you know what state the team in might be come postseason time. You never know who could get injured in the second half, and you're going to have to, regardless of of personnel and regardless of opposition beat good teams at some point and I think pulling out the split versus the Phillies was so needed for the Cardinals and if they can I don't think that they're going to win the series versus the Dodgers but if they can at least take one game and look really competitive against them and then take care of business against the Reds to close out the first half you'll take it given everything that they've endured so far with with injuries and I mean Steven Matz, your biggest offseason acquisition, is injured. Jack Flaherty was supposed to come back and be the ace, injured. Two of your three major components in the outfield, and Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill, not there. I mean, the list goes on. This is not the Cardinals team that you were anticipating they would be, especially at this point in the season, but you're hopefully going to get some of those pieces back. You just need to, I think, have a good showing versus the Dodgers and mm-hmm. then hopefully beat the Reds as you should, get some rest, and then get ready for the second half. And by the way, the reason that the Dodgers are the Dodgers is that they always have enough players. They fortify themselves in the event of injuries. And before this season, they had some of the same questions that the Cardinals had about the health of their starting rotation. Dustin May, still not back yet. They lose Walker Bueller early in the season. But they had signed Tyler Anderson to a contract before the season started one year $8 million, and here's Tyler Anderson with a 9-1 and record and a 3.15 ERA. And those are the sorts of moves that the Dodgers make that the Cardinals don't. And I, I, I will grant you that $8 million is a lot of money, and yes, the Dodgers don't have a, a budget. But they're able to go out and get 6th or 7th inning, or 6th or 7th or 8th starters. Think about the fact that right now under contract, they have Dustin May, Walker Bueller, and Trevor Bauer. Three guys who would be one, two, three for a lot of teams. Yep, and Trevor Bauer, you yeah nowhere. No, no, they're 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 paying all of those yep. guys. Yet they still have the best record in the National League and the best ERA in the National League. Think about how many teams, even just isolate the Trevor Bauer incident. You're going to pay him all that money, and he's not even available for you. How many teams would be completely derailed by just that? By just that, yep, no doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, we all loved the last dance was the best. It might have been the best thing ESPN's ever done. And mm-hmm. that's saying something because they've done amazing work. The OJ documentary was also great. I believe it won an Oscar. But The Captain is coming out soon and it's essentially the last dance but about Derek Jeter. It's coming out on July 18th at um, 9 p.m. Central Time on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. I know we're both going to be watching that, mm-hmm. right? No doubt about it. Can't, I love DJ. Can't wait to see Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter and have him talk about his career and his life and one of the things in his life his personal life that made a lot of headlines was the story that Derek Jeter would send off his one night stands with a gift basket full of autograph swag that there would be a car waiting for them after their intimate time and that he would have a basket that included autographed baseballs and things right we've all heard this story right yeah, and there was one girl that got a second basket? Allegedly, there was a girl that got two baskets because Derek didn't remember hanging out with her the, the first, first time. time. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, this was asked of, of Derek Jeter in the documentary about the gift baskets, hmm. the infamous gift baskets. And here's what Derek Jeter had to say about that, a little sneak peek into the captain. He said, yeah, I read the article. Yeah, of course. You know, you see it, and then it's like, how the bleep did people come up with this? You know, basically, that's it. Who would believe this beep? You guys believed it. It's a story that became larger than life. People kept regurgitating this story that never happened. It never happened. Well, Derek Jeter is the producer of this fine documentary, is he not? Just like Michael Jordan was the producer yes. of The Last Dance, yeah? I think it happened. I don't know if he would ever admit to it. No. I would if I were him. Congratulations to him. <laughs> uh, but I, I can see now with a wife and, and kid or kids, whatever it is. He has three daughters okay, now. Three daughters. I, I can see why he would not want to admit to this now. So I, I get that part of it. But does does it make you believe him at no, all? I no, don't believe no. him either. Not one. No. no, it was Derek Jeter in New York. Come on. And I hope that they address St. Jetersburg too. Yeah, they have to. How you weren't allowed to have cell phones there yeah. and what might have gone on at St. Jetersburg. Hmm. I doubt we're going to really get any of the details we're hoping about his personal life. But he even talked about how this had taken on a life of itself. And that one time he was at Starbucks and a fan came up to him and, and told him about this. Here, here's what Derek Jeter had to say. He said, I remember being at Starbucks one time. There's some random guy behind me. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm giving out gift baskets because you did. <laughs> And Derek Jeter said, I turned around and was like, you're a bleeping idiot. And the look on his face, like, did he think I was going to say, yeah, good job, man? Yeah, stealing my material? <laughs> <laughs> or, according to him, it never happened and yeah. you believed it. Yeah, I, I, I refuse to believe that. It was Derek Jeter in New York in his 20s and early 30s. Come on. Now, I, I get not admitting it now, but it's an epic story. And I think some people need to know about it and believe that it's true. Even if it, Restore my faith in Americana. But even if it's not true, the story is better than reality. Better. Yeah, it is. And he's he's just such a legend. And I, I watched the trailer last night when I was reading this uh, story and putting it together for today. And there was a line in there that said, if there were cell phones when I was around, my career would have been three years long. Wow. I believe that. He got around a little. 
And they, 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 well, they talked about how Derek Jeter was the most famous person that was lying in plain sight. Basically, he was able to go out and do whatever he wanted, but he was still the darling of New York, whereas mm-hmm. most people would be absolutely destroyed and be all over the tabloids in a negative way. The New York media and fans do have a tendency to protect those that they love. And Jeter was at the top of that list, no doubt about it. But they did that with the 86 Mets, too. They protected those guys, probably to those guys' detriment. I think Jeter is brilliant. He knew how to handle it. He handled the publicity, handled the tabloids exceptionally well in New York. He was very fortunate to have Joe Torre as his manager. Mm -hmm. And... I I think those two entities, Jeter and the New York Press, treated each other very well. Do you think anyone is going to get that grace anymore with the way the, the news media is now and social media and New York journalists and the Daily Post guys knowing that they're going to get scooped by social media? I think if Aaron Judge signs a long-term contract at the Yankees, he will. You do? I think he already does. But if, if he signs the contract and stays in New York, I think he will. Interesting. I just don't know if anybody is going to get that loyalty from the press anymore. It's pretty hard. You have to be a really good person. You're killing me, Smalls! And speaking of New York, we love a good rant on this show. Mm-hmm. We we will play Stephen A. rants. We'd love to hear our feller, fellow media brothers and sisters just absolutely go off. And yesterday on the Michael K. show on ESPN New York, Michael K. was off. And Don LaGreca and Peter Rosenberg were taking live calls, which is very brave to take mm-hmm. live calls. But a caller called in and basically said that Don LaGreco wouldn't be who he was or Peter Rosenberg wouldn't be who he was without Michael Kay, that he made those two guys' careers. And Don LaGreco, he didn't take too kindly to that. Don't you, Michael Kay. I'm on the air. I worked at the fan before Michael Kay. I do Ranger games without Michael Kay. 16 years doing pre and post for the Jets. Guess what? No Michael K. I got a podcast that's in the top 50 in every country on the planet. No Michael K. I've got two kids. I've got a wife. 17 years I'll be married to her in September. Guess what? No Michael K. I've got hair that people would die to have. Michael K. Nothing. I'm a fabulous driver. Michael K. It's got nothing to do with it. I'm one of the best friends you could ever have in your life. Zero to do with Michael K. Do not ever say to me, you wouldn't have the guts to say it to my face. Michael K's got nothing to do with what I am and who I am. I can work with Michael K. I can work without Michael K. You better bring it. Very much appreciate the rant. But here's the thing. If you're doing 16 years of Jets pre and post. Rough. And you don't have any help at all. You're like the greatest person in America. No doubt. That had to be tough. Yeah. As somebody that did Rams pre and post for a long time, you can identify. I just love how he's going through his career resume and then he throws in, I have a great head of hair. I'm a fabulous driver. (laughs) Fabulous driver. Nothing to do with Michael K. I'm the best friend you could ever have. I just thought of all things to throw in there. Fabulous driver. No Michael K. (laughs) That was great. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That was your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues made some front office changes yesterday, and one of them brings back an old friend who joins us next on 101. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, the St. Louis Blues announced that they have brought Scott Mellenby back to the organization as a senior advisor to the general manager. Scott played here. He was an assistant coach. He is one of the brightest hockey minds that you'll ever run across. And it's great to have Scott back in St. Louis and on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN, your home of the Blues. Mel, good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Randy. Thanks for the kind words. Uh, you can't get rid of me. <laughs> no, no. We, I, I, we, we've had a lot of great conversations over the years about the sport. Uh, I, I want to start with this, and I want to get into where hockey is, but uh, what does a senior advisor to the general manager do? <laughs> well, I'll be, doing quite, I'll be doing quite a few things. I'll be doing some pro scouting. I'll, I'll be in with the team a little bit as well and uh you know but a lot of on the road scouting as well and player personnel work and uh that's something that you know i'm at the development camp this week that we're going to work through with um with dave taylor and tim taylor and peter shirelli and um the staff here and and figure out exactly what our responsibilities will be but uh um it's a nice title for for doing a lot of scouting i guess but but i'll be i will be with the team a little bit as well and um um, just involved in kind of all that day-to-day decision-making that goes on. So very excited about it and thrilled to be back in St. Louis. And great opportunity, you know, to work for, for, for Doug, who I've known for a long time and have a great deal of respect for. So um, really excited. Uh, our family, you know, considered St. Louis home. My kids considered this their home, so um, they're very excited as well. And you have known Craig Berube since you were both young players with the Flyers, 35 years yeah. or more, right? Yeah, yeah. Chief and I started in Philly pretty much at the same time. And, uh, yeah, we he was in my wedding. Uh, we were roommates, um, you, know, you know, on the road and stuff, too. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty – well, we're very close and um, really happy for the success that he's had here in St. Louis and – Really looking forward to getting to spend some time with him, not only from a hockey perspective, but just as old friends that, you know, once you kind of go your way in this business, you go your own way and you go to different places, you you don't, I don't, I don't, wouldn't say you lose touch, but you just don't get to, to have many visits and many talks about not only hockey, but life in general. So it's, uh, that's really special for him and I to be able to reconnect like this. Scott, what was Chief like as a roommate? Was he tidy? Was he the guy that played his music too loud? Give us a scouting report on Chief as a roommate. <laughs> well, we used to have our, our, our pregame naps, and uh, I had him. I had him for some reason watching Days of Our Lives as a soap opera with me before we would before we would shut things down and have our little afternoon nap. So I can tell you, Chief was a big fan of Days of Our Lives back in the day. Did he have a favorite character or storyline? <laughs> Uh, I, no, I, 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 not, not, not in particular. I think, uh, I think he liked Patch, the guy that had the eye patch, because he was kind of the tough guy. So it was kind of in his, in his mode, you know. So fits, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, as uh, Randy mentioned, Scott, you've been here as a player, you've been here as a coach, and now you're here in the front office. What is it about St. Louis and the Blues organization that makes you want to continue to come back and work here? Well, like I said, I mean, uh, you know, there's a great alumni here and over the years after playing, uh, when I, I, I left St. Louis after a few years of playing and went and finished my career in Atlanta. And then, you know, we decided, uh, it was a, it was a good place to have, you know, your family and, and, uh, you know, so 
we decided to move back here and after I retired and got involved in some different things, uh, scouted for Vancouver and did some different things, but, but, you know, living in St. Louis and, um, just, you know, it's just a, it's just a good, a, a great city with uh, great sports fans. And, and, uh, we just, you know, they embraced us as, a, as people and as a family. And, and so for me, um, you know, then I, then I got an opportunity to coach, which was pretty special and, and, and figured out that, coaching wasn't for me <laughs> and uh um and you know was got involved with management with montreal for several years so not being with them anymore obviously I was looking to get back into it and uh you know, i've developed a relationship with doug over the years and i've had he's been a bit of a mentor to me to be honest with you i've had uh um, a lot of a lot of great talks with army about about hockey and his philosophies and his journey. Um, you know, he's Bob Ganey, somebody who was a mentor to him and, and Doug, somebody that I've really learned a lot about and really admired the way he's put this organization together. I mean, they've become one of the premier organizations in the league over the last, I think, 10 years, what, making the playoffs nine times, which is difficult to do in this league. So him and his staff have done a phenomenal job and, and to get an opportunity to go to work with a top flight organization and, and of course, then with a personal connection to the city, um, I don't think there would, could, could have been a better opportunity for me. Hey, Scott, I wanted to ask you, and I mentioned that I wanted to talk about the sport because the Blues that won in 2019 were an exceptionally rugged, tough playoff team that was built on a big, strong defense. Last year, a little bit more offensive-minded, a little bit less defensive-minded. You know what a Stanley Cup champion looks like. How does this Blues roster stack up right now? How do you feel about where they are in regards to being able to win a Cup? Well, I think, you know, one one of the things that Army said to me over the years is, you know, as a general manager, your job is to try to give your, your organization a, a chance every year to be in the playoffs. And, and um, you know, the more the more deep runs you can have, you know, at some point the stars will align and you'll have the health and you'll have the performances and, and you'll break through. So, you know, it is a, it is a different looking team in some ways than uh, a few years ago. I think the game in general continues to, you know, evolve to where, listen, it's still a gritty hard competitive game and you have to play it and then the playoffs is uh is what it is but um you know i think the this team has showed last year a lot of depth and scored a lot uh, a lot of goals um so it's evolved a little bit that way but uh to me it's it's just a team that has a lot of a lot of really good players and has the depth that's going to give you an opportunity to to make the playoffs year in and year out and give yourselves a chance Scott, you're coming in at an interesting time. Things are about to really pick up, especially from a front office perspective. And uh, the salary cap is an issue that the Blues and a lot of other teams are dealing with. There's a lot of difficult decisions that need to be made from you, Army, and the front office. What does this offseason look like for you guys? How difficult are some of these decisions that you'll need to make? Well, it's always tough. I mean, it's it's tough, like you said. It's, it's very difficult for all the teams. You've got every year, year in and year out, you've got players – becoming unrestricted a new, a new group of players every year that uh and and with the money but there's then there's no more money this year obviously the cap's gone up a million but you know over the last few years you, you keep getting a pool of players uh every year um that uh, that come up to bat and and the money just isn't there to pay everybody so you know they're very difficult decisions especially with a team like this you know that has a lot of a lot of really good players and it's just uh yeah, you have to make tough decisions because it, it is very difficult to to keep everybody, and it, it's every team goes through that. I mean, you know, you saw Tampa Bay after they won the Cup last year; they lost three significant players because of 
cap reason. It's not they didn't want to keep them, but they just couldn't resign them. And that's just the reality that we have to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, discussions and a lot of, uh, of uh, you know, planning ahead. And, and, you know, hopefully the cap can, can, can start to rise here soon. But uh, we also have to be looking at, at the year after this year um, and even the year after that, that, you know, we don't know that the cap's going to go up a lot. It may continue to, to rise, but, but, but marginally. So maybe four or five years before we have an extra seven, eight, nine million dollars added to the cap. You know what I mean? So everyone's in the same boat around the league and everyone wants to create some cap space. But when everyone's trying to do that, it's, it's, it makes it difficult. Scott, one more thing, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, because over the years that you were a player here, you taught me so much about being the parent of an autistic child, and you're one of the founders of Athletes Against Autism. How's your son Carter doing? He's doing good, Randy. Thanks for asking. He's 26 now. You know, it's been a journey. We, uh, you know, we all have our our crosses to bear in life, and uh, you know, we've we've um, you know we've done the best we can. And Carter's Carter's doing well, and he he um, you know he. He's at a point in his life now where, you know, he, he unfortunately will never be independently living or working. But, uh, you know, he's a pretty happy kid. And, and uh, the good days for Carter are good days for us. So, um, you know, we're just we're plugging away at that and, and doing the best we can. Well, it's I, I'm so proud of what you've done to bring awareness to autism. And uh, I, I know that you and your wife have done a spectacular job with he and, and your other two kids. It's so good to have you back here in St. Louis. I will see you out at the rink. Can't wait to do so. Welcome back. All right, Randy. Thanks a lot for having me. And, and like I said, really thrilled to be back in St. Louis. Good deal. Forward to seeing you. Yeah. Thanks, Scotty. That's Scott Mellenby, yeah. one of uh, one of my all-time favorites uh, among the Blues on 101 ESPN. He's great. And what about that nugget he gave us about Chief, who loved days of our lives? <laughs> How about that? we got to pass that along to the fast lane. Yeah. You know we have to have those guys bring it up when they talk to Chief on their weekly hits. They'll never tell us. But can you imagine, I think it was 20-year-old Scott Mellenby and 21-year-old Craig Berube together for like six or seven years. So they the formative years becoming young men to men, and these two are together. There have got to be some stories there. Oh, I know there are. He was in his wedding. The yeah, people right. who are in your wedding yep, are the know. keepers of the secrets. They know where the bodies are buried. I know that he's yeah. got some great chief stories for us. So good to have Scott Mellon be back. And uh, he is he's a brilliant hockey guy, just a brilliant hockey guy. And the, you can never go wrong. We were talking about... How can you be better if David Perron isn't in your organization? You can't be worse if Scott Mellenby is in your organization. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're going to head down the stretch next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, if you've listened to our station over the last several years since the Blues came to 101 ESPN. You've heard the voice of Jeff Burton, co-host of the Last Minute Blues podcast with Donnie Fandango and our own Jamie Rivers. And of course, Jeff, a big part of the Rizzuto show down the hall every morning at 105.7 The Point. And Jeff has been dealing with cancer for over a year now. And they've been very open about it on the Rizzuto show in the mornings. And we see Jeff in the hallways. And by the way, uh, just one of the sweetest people that you could ever imagine. He is. Uh, he doesn't have a malicious uh, bone. He never has a bad day. And so a- as things have gotten worse with his cancer, he's remained a, a happy and effervescent guy when we've seen him. And yesterday on the Rizzuto Show, Michelle, 
it, they announced that uh, there are no more medicines that can help, and uh, the doctors have decided to take Jeff Burton off of any medication and any treatment, and they have put him in hospice, and they have come uh, away with a, uh, a, a plan so that he can pass away peacefully and comfortably, and just such... Such a great guy, and he and I—he's fifty. He just turned fifty-five. I'm fifty-nine, and we both been until we got here. We both been in the industry, but we never really worked together. We were acquaintances, but both have been in the industry for a really long time in town. But until we got here, never really knew each other. But he's—he is a broadcast legend in our town, and just a wonderful human being, and just a a terrible story with an insidious disease and it it affects everybody in life and it's affecting us here at Hubbard Radio now. Yeah, we're all heartbroken um, because Jeff is the best. And, you know, Randy, I always say that our job is kind of like summer camp, especially in the mornings, because when you get into the hallways, there's all of these great personalities from all of the different morning shows that pile out into the hallways after <laughs> we're done. You know, you have the Courtney show, you have all the, the guys from Casey, the country station, but the Riz show guys are, are a really big part of what we do here at Hubbard Radio. And one of my favorite things every day was talking to Jeff in the hallway, whether it was a quick joke that he had for us or a comment about blues hockey every day our day would be just a little bit better because we got to interact with Jeff Burton. And then I think about all of the people in St. Louis that can say that because he has been such an important part of people's lives here in St. Louis. And what we do is really weird because we sit in a studio with two or three people and we talk to one another, but we don't really realize, we don't really get to grasp how many people share their mornings with us and how many people have shared their mornings with the Rizzuto show and Jeff Burton for years. He's Mm -hmm. a part of people's lives. And I think about how many people probably wake up in the morning, they're tired, maybe something's going wrong in their life, they don't want to go to work and Jeff has made their day better. Just like he makes our day better, making a joke or or a a comment to us in the hallway. He does that for all of St. Louis every single day. And I just... I'm heartbroken for him and for his family. And all we can do is send Jeff love and prayers and just try to lift him up and support him in every way possible. But we love you, Jeff. And A, a huge sports fan. So he, when we, we met with them, when, when 1057 The Point got to our building, he was a natural. And he, he couldn't wait to be involved with sports and a huge blues fan as well. And yesterday... Rizzuto and that group did such a magnificent job because I would not have been able to hold it together like they did. And you're, you're prepared for it. But here's a guy, Michelle, that and I, I was texting with Riz last night. A year and a half ago, Jeff Burton would finish their show and he would and they're, they're in at two in the morning. They're in way before us, two and three in the morning. Yeah. And then after their show, he would go out and run for three miles. And even with... The cancer diagnosis, we both followed Jeff on Instagram, and he's out hiking with his dog, hiking in the hills with his dog, despite the fact that he's battling cancer. He's just, it's so unfair that somebody who has so much zest for life has to deal with what he's dealing with. Yeah, it's hard to believe, too. As you mentioned, somebody that's so athletic, and he and I would always talk about running. We talked about running a half marathon together because I'm trying to run one in every state. And it's just the the harsh reality that this disease can impact anybody, yeah. regardless of your lifestyle or how healthy you feel. It, it could just—life is short, is yeah. basically what I'm trying to say. And that's—it's just so unfair that someone as wonderful as Jeff is having and has been having to deal with this. And 
I just, my heart breaks for him and his family and his daughters. And I, I'm still, Randy, praying for a miracle. Me too. I'm still uh, praying yep. for a miracle. And I hope St. Louis joins us in that effort. Yeah. Many prayers to the Burton family. Yeah. And miracles have happened and hopefully we can get another one here. And by the way, if if you see fit to it, because so many people are affected by cancer, whether it's the pedal the cause for cancer research or any charitable endeavor involved with the American Cancer Society or the uh, Lymphoma and Leukemia Society, their, their walk for life. If you can get involved and contribute just a little bit to help cancer research and rid our world of this insidious disease, uh, our world's going to be a better place. Uh, great. And again, our thoughts and prayers with the Rizzuto show down the hall and, and everybody that's a part of the, the Rizzuto family. And of course, uh, with, uh, with Julie and the daughters and Jeff. And one more thing, the Rizzuto show tweeted this out. I think you retweeted it. I'm retweeting it as well. But if Jeff ever impacted your life and made your day a little bit better, you can send him a card or a note. Um, all you have to do is write in the attention. We love you, Jeff. You can send it to the station here at, at uh, Hubbard radio. And those are all going to Jeff and his family. So if you want to send him some love directly, just head to Twitter, go to at Riz Show, and they have the address there, and you can express your sentiments and your thanks and your love to Jeff. And we would love to have you do that. Great job by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thanks, sir. Pleasure. Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you guys for hump day tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Happy hump day tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the College Football Playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.